You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me, as well as our returning from Celebration Chicago co-host, Paul Herman. How's it going, guys? Wow. Hey. I was going to say... Welcome back, Paul. Welcome back. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It was a, it was a crazy four days. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it was one of those things where I really wish that we all could have been there together. Obviously, and yeah. it's it's bittersweet because I was with a ton of my friends over there. Um, for people who know me from my old podcast days of the Forest Cast with, with Justin and John, I was hanging out with them a bunch, and. Seeing my good friend Chris Clow, uh, one of my best friends, uh, David Valdez, aka Fathers Figures on Twitter and Instagram, and my my good friend Lily, we we all had a blast. But I really wish you guys were there too, because you know, and only forget Saf and uh, Megan was there for one night from Blaster Cannon, my other show that we where we focus more on the uh, extended universe, if you will, of Star Wars and right now. But yeah, I I it would it would have been completely complete with you guys there, but unfortunately. Just wasn't meant to be this time around. So it was bittersweet a little bit because I, I would love to have you guys around and, and watch that stuff with with me. But uh, but yeah, the celebration was was crazy, man. Not getting into the main uh, stuff of it, just the, kind of the floor. It was a it was probably the more the most organized. I think the cele- of all the celebrations I've been to. I think Anaheim. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, I think Anaheim was probably. I think that Anaheim was the best just because I think it was it was big, but it wasn't as big as it is now. And it was a little bit more manageable, I think. And I but I think with Chicago, it was just I mean, it was a lot of people, man. It was huge. And there was but it was well organized considering I know a lot of people complained about the um, obviously the 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 lottery. And I I understand that. But honestly, it, it made things a little bit smoother, too. Like it wasn't so insane, and that was so, nice. Speaking of that, real quick, Paul, is it did it work really good where you just walk maybe five or ten minutes before the panels began, you were able to walk in pretty much no problem? Or were there still like kind of like huge lines, even though you won the lottery to oh, yeah. get in if it took a while? 
it, it took a while to get in because you had to go through security. They made you show, show your badge and show your your stub, your the scan your stub in. Um, there was a lot of that stuff, and it was it wasn't exactly easy. We were going in late for the Mandalorian panel, and I was sweating it a little bit because I did not want to miss that. But we I'd only gotten like four hours sleep the day before. Yeah, I I was burning the candle on both ends on that one. And uh, but no, I, I think overall it was really well done. Security was 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 on point. I feel like I think there was, you could. I feel the other at the other times in Anna uh, in celebration, you could probably get away with sneaking in places. I think here was a little bit harder. There, I think I know people. I heard people sneaking into the episode nine panel, but I don't. I think they really put a lockdown on that afterwards because Mandalorian they were really strict, and plus it snowed that day, which is which sucked. So we went in, it's snowing outside and I'm freezing and I'm trying to get into this place as soon as possible. And everyone else's too. It was mayhem. And it was like, I was only about a half hour before it started. So it was a pretty intense day. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, I think, like I said, there's lots of cool stuff. The one thing I will, I will take away from, from this, from this weekend and just in general is, how Star Wars is evolving. And I think that's more evident. It was more evident to me this weekend or that last weekend than it than ever before. I think that we've always known that Star Wars had to evolve in order to, you know, move forward with the times and everything. But it really felt like, man, Star Wars is really adapting and evolving way more than it ever has. Whereas, you know, before we just knew Star Wars as, you know, films. And then George started the Clone Wars to basically, you know, keep the franchise alive and, and everything like that. And just to, you know, because he didn't he didn't want to necessarily necessarily make films. And, you know, it's kind of probably more than anything, scratch that creative itch that he had with Star Wars. You know, but he didn't want to do the films. But then you go, evolve into the sale to Disney and Disney, you know, thinks we're just going to exploit this thing for films. And just put out like a mark. It's an, we're going to emulate the Marvel model. Well, that kind of backfired a little bit in them. And now, I think we're starting to really see the evolution of Star Wars. I think you have the fact that we have the Clone Wars cartoon series and Resistance. On you know we had all those panels. We had the Jedi Fallen Order story group uh, story based game uh, panel. You had Vader Immortal, the virtual reality game uh, panel. Which that was, sadly, on my end, I've kind of overlooked it <laughs> because yeah. there's so much other stuff going on. Yeah. Like, it kind of got lost in the shuffle for me. Yeah, but I've exactly. heard some really good things about that, too. Yeah. And so, and you have The Mandalorian, the first live action TV show. You've got The Rise of Skywalker. Obviously, we're going we're gonna to go in depth about today. But there's a, a lot going on. And it just kind of made me think, man, like, Star Wars is way more then it's it's way it's evolving way more than it ever has and obviously the books and the comics have already been, always been there and the cartoon animated series yes have but i feel like now we're having two or there's going to be essentially two animated series coming out now and there's a and there's a live action tv series and a film and like Mar or excuse me star wars is evolving and i and just seeing what was going on and, and, and again, in the rise of Skywalker and the end of the Skywalker saga, there's it was interesting to have that like because, you know, that I think maybe that even more so made it come, you know, come across that Star Wars is evolving even more. 
in, in something like that and what the possibilities are for that film, which again, we'll talk about in depth finally on this episode, <laughs> but, but yeah, there was, it was really interesting. And I don't know if that became across to all of you, but walking the floor and seeing so many different people dress as different things. And again, we saw that somewhat in with celebrations of the past, but it just, after going the last, you know, the, the three celebrations now, it's, this one seemed even more just the variety of what people liked and didn't like, or not didn't like, excuse me, but the, what, what people like and, and loved and proudly, you know, threw on them on their shoulders or wore as a costume or whatever. It was all over the place. And I just love that. I love that fact that now Star Wars has variety and it's, you can have, you don't have to love everything the same way. Like, like seeing people dressed in the resistance uniforms and things like that. Like, that's really cool. Uh, meaning Star Wars resistance from the cartoon, like Kaz. I saw a guy cosplaying, a number of guys cosplaying as Kaz. That's really cool. Not my favorite character and not my favorite show, obviously, or aspect of Star Wars. But let me tell you, like, it's cool. Seeing a Dr. Af multiple Dr. Afras, really, really cool. I haven't always been a fan of her comic book. As of recently, it's been a lot better. And I'm really enjoying that. But I'm not my favorite aspect of Star Wars. But yet people cosplaying as that. And like it's all it's all over the place. And I know it's always been a part of Star Wars and a part of fandom, but seeing it just seemed like even more prevalent than ever this last weekend. And it was a lot of fun to see all those things kind of mash up together. And I really felt a sense of community. And I, I don't know, maybe it's because I I have a, a number of people to hang out with and and I knew a number of people there and I met up with, with a lot of people. And, and speaking of which, I want to say thank you to everyone who had said hi to me. Uh, I'm probably going to say something like this on my all my podcast, make sure that everyone hears it, because I had a, a number of people come and say hi to me. And I want you to know that I was humbled by everyone who did. And I really appreciated everyone that did say something and, and had something nice to say, because you don't have to do that. And that meant a lot to me. The knowing that like just me being a just a someone who's just a talking head or a talking voice, if you will, on these things that people want to hear that is is a truly humbling experience. And to have someone say that that you know you're a fan you're a fan of the show or you listen to the show and you enjoy it of whatever show that you listen to me on, it, it's it was really humbling. And I, I don't take that stuff lightly. It means the world to me, and it really is makes the reason why I do this in the first place is just that people actually enjoy it. And I, I mean, I do it for me, but it makes it nice to that people like to hear it too. And I think it's awesome. And it make, it does make going to do this in the first place a lot easier and a lot more fun than knowing that people will enjoy it too, as much as I have enjoyed talking to my friends like you guys. So I, I want to say thank you to everyone, you know, and, and every, everybody, because I had a number of people and I, like I said, I really appreciate it. And you guys made my whole weekend essentially and, and honored me. So thank you again. I hope, uh, I hope you guys, you know, anyone who, I, any celebration, I'm hoping to go to all celebrations going forward, despite what my wife says. Um, so <laughs> hopefully that keeps going. And if, if you guys see me, uh, just hanging out, not just, just talking to my friends, I, I really don't mind you guys saying, saying hi. I really, like I said, I, I, I actually like encourage it. It was really cool meeting people that want to, you know, like listen to the show and, and whatever we can talk, Star Wars, Marvel, whatever. I didn't, you know, it was really, really cool. So anyway, enough of that. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I really felt a sense of, com of community. And I think I usually always do at celebration. I think it's hard not to, but I really felt like 
this is what a lot of Star Wars fans needed, not just in news, mm -hmm. but gathering, if that makes any sense. Like, I feel there's been so much negativity around fandom lately because of uh, uh, rightful things of like, you know, racism and bigotry and it stuff's out there. And it's not just in Star Wars, it's everywhere, right? But Star Wars is, is an easy target because it's this massive popular thing and people profit it, profit by it by talking about it on YouTube and 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 basically poking the bear and and trying to stoke, you know, stoke this this negative, awful fire that Star Wars is this and Star Wars that, Star Wars for SJWs, blah, blah, blah. You know, and 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 honestly, I really felt this weekend that all went away. And I, it was really, really like refreshing for me not to have to hear that crap or hear about it or read about it because everyone was excited about Rise of Skywalker, the Mandalorian, the Clone Wars. They're excited about Fallen Order. They're they're excited about Resistance. They're excited about Rebels. I mean, there there was so much positivity in the air. You just you just didn't care about all that stupid crap that people were trying, you know, are still out there trying to do and and act like there's this huge, you know, uh, problem in Star Wars. There's not. Star Wars is, is alive and well. Let me tell you, <laughs> I was there all weekend. You know, I, I posted a picture on my Instagram at Hermit Twenty Two Two Ends. Um, yeah, well, everyone has to check out Paul's celebration photos oh on Instagram. Gosh. He's got a lot of good ones. I went nuts. Yeah. I went none nuts. better than the Death Trooper pictures, of course. Oh. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> well, Tim's oh. a little biased, but yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I'll get to the, I'll get to my, the cosplayers in a second. I, I really want to talk about them for a few minutes here too. But uh, on my Instagram, I posted a picture of Monday morning. Yes, Monday morning, the Phantom Menace 20th anniversary panel was pretty much completely filled. Nice. And like, and, and, and don't get me wrong, there were empty seats on top, but they were empty for all the panels, including episode nine. And for the most part, like they didn't fill up all the way. And I think they did it on purpose for probably people to spread out and things like that. So just make, make sure people know that. Like it wasn't, it maybe was a little emptier than like the other panels, but that thing was alive and kicking on a Monday morning when everyone had been there, probably a lot of people that been there the whole weekend, like myself. And, I, and I'll be honest, I was worn out. I was barely paying attention. And it wasn't the most lively of panels, but it was really cool to experience and see George Lucas talk about, you know, even on video. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Um, that was cool. Um, but like I said, it's it's not something that I – it was just really cool. It was really cool to see it just had so much energy still. And if people have that much energy at Monday morning for The Phantom Menace, a movie that is quote unquote uh, a, a fan backlash, if you will, from 20 years ago, Star Wars is no, in no danger of slowing down. And, you know, we're not going to talk about The Mandalorian today for people who are wondering. That's going to be another episode. Trust me, we will get to it soon. And there's a lot, a lot to go into it. But, the Mandalorian, Rise of Skywalker, everything. Star Wars is is in no danger, no danger of slowing down. And yes, the Last Jedi is a very hot topic. And then it's it, when we get to it in our in our commentary series, there's going to be a lot of discussion about it. Especially by this by the time we get to it, guys, it's probably going to be we're probably going to have seen the, another Rise of Skywalker trailer. Yeah, and and you know potentially so. It's gonna be really fascinating to have that movie with with all of these. So you know, we may need to do another Last Jedi commentary, like again <laughs> next year after we've seen the Rise of Skywalker, like just for context. Um, right. 
But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. There's going to be just, yeah, Heck, a, maybe a lot of changing opinions <laughs> on that, I feel like. Yeah. And, and so, and so, yeah, I, I think that there's, I just want to make sure people know. And if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know Star Wars is in no danger of slowing down. But really, if you have people out there, just be like, no, man, you should have been in our celebration because it was incredible. It was intense. So enough about that. As far as some of my favorite parts of celebration, other than the panels, was was getting cosplayers pictures with them. And I had a blast. I had there. I was blown away by so many people's cosplays, uh, cosplaying. It was a Excuse me. I just ate a bunch of taco time and it's making me gurgly. Um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, like there's so many great cosplayers. Um, I, you can check out my Instagram my Twitter, my Facebook, whatever you want. I'm on there. Check it out. And there's lots of stuff. I posted a crap load of pictures. My friend Lily goes, yeah, you, you're posting a lot. I'm like, yeah, it's my Instagram deal with it. Lily, come on. And she just laughed. I hung out with Lily all, all weekend, but you know, I was like, deal with it. I don't care. And it's true. Sorry if people don't follow it and they're like, oh, put me pictures. Like, sorry, it's what I want to see because it's my social media. So, uh, that's the whole point of Instagram. So, if you're yeah, on there, yeah, right. <laughs> well, some people, well, some people like to do that photo album crap where they have like multiple photos. I'm like, no, I want to do one. I want one. Yeah, I'm especially like when you're at Star Wars Celebration and you see a cool cosplayer and you snap a picture and upload it and. You know, and I exactly. mean, for me, like, it doesn't really matter which one you do, because I had some other friends that were there that would post, you know, at the end of every day, post like 10 or 15 pictures from the whole day. And then I had you that would post, you know, a picture here, picture there. And so um, kind of got a good mix of both. But it was just, you know, either way, it was fun to be able to kind of follow along and um, see what people were up to. Yeah. So there was there were so many great costumes. I'm going to pull up my Instagram right now, actually, when I'm talking to you guys and see if uh what my favorite ones were. I think the best costumes that I saw were the death troopers. <laughs> they were really good. Um, I think as far as cosplaying, like people like in their costumes and whatnot, I think that the, the family of uh, short troopers were, were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, there's a couple people that I had to like beg to get your, their pictures because they were off to go somewhere and I, and they had like a handler basically and they go, you gotta make it quick, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, 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 I'm gonna see you guys later, you know. And so, so yeah, I I, I got a co- I got a picture with them. They were really cool. That was really well done. I think my other favorite one was I'm trying to find. Uh, I loved holiday special Boba Fett. That was another one that was yeah. like on his way out. And I'm like, dude, I gotta get your picture. He's like, yeah, I'm making a really quick, man. I gotta go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you see me. I'm like, cool. Thumbs up. See you later. Um, I love that costume. I love holiday special Boba Fett. He's phenomenal. Um, let's see here. What else do I have? Oh, I know the other great one, Paul. Cindell and Noah. I mean, oh, dude, <laughs> I almost forget them. They were incredible. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. That was so. That, that was, was pretty spot on, man. Wait, which one? <laughs> um, it I was, knew that was gonna be Kyle's reaction. <laughs> yeah. No, I just didn't hear what name you said. Uh, Cindell and Noah from Battle for Endor. Ah, and and that was really sweet, actually, because. I saw them, and and I, me and Dave, uh, Father's Figures on Instagram. He's a great toy toy photographer. I'm just gonna keep plugging him away because he's one of my best friends, and I want to plug his stuff. Anyway, me and Dave were walking, and we literally like 20 minutes before we saw them said, "Man, we is, I hope there's like we see some like T or a Teak or Sindel or Noah cosplay." 
and literally <laughs> see him and Dave goes, no on Sindel. And I went, what? And flipped out. Like, oh my God, we got your picture taken with you guys. Oh no. And Sindel, please, please, please. please. And, 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 uh, another picture. No, it was in a, a, a was, a, was in a, a, electric wheelchair with his, with his, obviously with his granddaughter who was playing Sindel. And as we left, Dave told me that they, the little girl playing Sindel was really excited that we recognized him. Like she was like, they recognized us. They recognized us. And I thought <laughs> that was awesome. so sweet. And I was like, Oh, I hope other people did because they were, I, they're not on my Instagram. I must've forgot to post that on there, but they're on my Twitter for sure. And I love, I was, I thought that was awesome. Super deep cut. That was like the first day. I think it was on Thursday actually. Um, but, uh, Another one was the this fan this other people these other random Mandalorians like they they obviously modified their own Mandalorian armor that wasn't really pertain to anything, and there's three of them and their armor looks fantastic. I thought that that's probably the most some of the more more impressive designs. There was an Embo that looked incredible. Mm. Uh, yeah, I that saw was that great. one. Um, yeah, there's there's a Seven Sister that looked fantastic. A Kylo, I mean, there's there are so many people that looked fantastic uh, that it was just really impressive. And yeah, I, it was, it was really cool. There's a great Darth Vader, a great Zuckus. I mean, there was, there's all kinds of stuff. I, I was, but those are the ones that kind of jump out at me. A guy, another guy had a great Praetorian guard uh, outfit. It looked, it looked almost like 100% screen accurate. Huh, a Jedi man. temple guard. Yeah. A Jedi temple guard. He was great. That was a great costume. And, it's just really great seeing all these people like do all these deep cuts and they look just fantastic. You know? So yeah, I, I, I loved it. And I, and those are my favorite memories and I, and those where I'll always hold those. I have those memories forever now and it's great. So yeah, Star Wars celebration was, was fantastic. Had a, so many great nights. I got like average, maybe like four to five hours sleep a night. It was insane. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that's yeah. not surprising. Yeah. And I know it's exciting because we all know that celebrations at Anaheim next year. Mm, and I know yes. my wife basically is like, you can't go next year. And I'm, and I'm already like, well, you know, hold on. And so I'm really thankful because I know that you guys are probably more than likely going to be there. Oh, wouldn't and, miss it. Yeah. So we're, so I know I'll be staying with you guys probably. And with probably I'll be dragging, hopefully Dave along as long as his, his wife, he's, get, he's getting married in July or June, excuse me. I uh, will let him as well. She's a little more stricter on the money than than we are. So uh, we'll see if he can be able to go. But I think if uh, if I can somehow coax you guys and, and Dave and I to all share a big place with somebody else and we have like three people to a room, we might be able to make it all work. And and that was the – and I already know me and Tim can room together. We've already done it. So yep. <laughs> so we're – I know – Honestly, I'm, listening to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm glad you liked, by the way. That was great. And for people who don't know, me and Tim, we stayed in the same hotel when when, uh, when Kyle got married and, and when Tim was in the wedding. And I, and I went. And I was very thankful that Tim – and Tim let me – we split the hotel there. And I was able to come out and spend time with everyone. And that was a blast. So – this will be, you know, no offense, Cal. This will be even more of a blast for me because we'll be doing Star Wars stuff. So hey, I don't blame you, man. Like, yeah. I mean, it won't. Obviously, for me, it was my wedding, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if it'll top that. But it'll right. be fun so. to, uh, you know, to be together all at celebration. I mean, the last time I was at celebration was the first time I met you when we were sitting in line for that Rebels right. panel. So uh, to be able to go this time for all of us to get to hang out again, and uh, I mean, last time we stayed in a house with like, I think eight people or something with. Uh, you know, Mike and Matt from uh, Rebel Cells and uh, Jason and Carl from the Wampas Lair and, you know, a bunch of our other podcasting friends. 
Um, so we might try to do the same thing this year and maybe even get an even bigger house or have to split between two houses or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, but yeah, like, definitely looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, we'll have well, the, the crew reunion. Well, and it's really, it's really awesome that comes out next year and because it'll come full circle for us, right. For like me, like me and you, Kyle, like, you, you made a great point. Like we met for the first time excuse me, there, we didn't even know each other. I met Tim for the first time in person there as well. So it was, it was kind of like, it was a very much like the beginning of a lot of, I mean, even though me and Tim were, were already becoming good friends at that point, but like, it was like you know the beginning of a whole new set of relationships that I, I would form with people, including you, because you hadn't even gotten your Xbox yet, I think. And No, you're right, because that was, that was in... April of 2015. Yeah. And I still wasn't sure. Like I hadn't gotten an Xbox one yet and I wasn't sure if I wanted the Xbox one or the PS4, but I was like, I'm getting one of them by the time battlefront comes out in November. And I think it was like mm -hmm. September that I got the Xbox one, but it was partially because you, you were one more tally on my uh, ah. friends with <laughs> Xbox side of the list. It basically came down to like, do I have more friends on Xbox or PlayStation? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, I, I just it was just a really cool moment because we because we spent a lot a ton of time together. We, we saw the basically we saw the Rebels season two premiere together. Mm -hmm. We we did. A, I mean, it was like we had a great time and it was it was it's form. It really helped shape my fandom a lot to what it is now. That one celebration that would probably always be my favorite just because, again, hanging out with Tim and you, Kyle, and all my other friends. I got to hang out with more and get to know more. Sean from Marvel Newscast was there, and he'll be there, obviously. And this year, in the next year, we're going to have freaking Galaxy's Edge to all go to. I mean, oh, it's, I it's, it's like, oh, it's just, I mean, honestly, I'm going to have to start saving now. It's going to be out of control. So, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, like, like I said, you know, I, I celebration was awesome. We have a lot to get into. Obviously, we, we just scratched the service with we're gonna just gonna be talking about Rise of Skywalker today. You know, we're gonna talk about Mandalorian later, but I will say I do have things I do have some thoughts on Fallen Order and, and, and Clone Wars, which I, I think we can just talk about during the Mandalorian episode. For, yeah, probably. Because there is one thing that I want to get to before we jump into yeah, the Rise of ahead. Skywalker, too. Yeah. Um go ahead. But I mean, just to wrap up the thoughts on celebration though, I mean it's awesome to uh just get your take on it. I mean, obviously it was awesome even for those of us that were just sitting at home watching the live streams and getting to watch all the cool panels. Um, you know, I think this was probably the best celebration just in terms of content and like cool yeah. reveals and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then obviously it's on a whole nother level when you're actually there and um, seeing old friends and making new friends and just getting to hang out with Star Wars fans for, you know, five days straight. Um so I'm looking forward to that next year. And I, Tim and I even talked about this on the last episode, how I'm already going into 20 or to celebration next year, just looking forward more to the, the social aspect of it. Cause oh, yeah. celebration 2015, I mean, it was awesome meeting you and it was awesome hanging out with everybody, but it was also awesome getting to see the force awakens trailer for the first time. And like, that was the celebration of star, like a new star Wars movie coming back for the first time in 10 years. And that was a huge part of it. And honestly, for me, I think going into it, I was maybe more excited for that. And then was kind of, you know, I always tend to forget about like, Oh, how fun it is just to hang out with people. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But now, and I feel like even since then, like obviously I've become better friends with you, I've become better friends with Tim. There's a lot more people that I feel like I've connected with online um, through podcasting and stuff. And so at the next celebration, hopefully we can meet some of our listeners and, uh, you know, I'll just get to hang out with some people that I've, um, you know, seen online and never actually met in person, maybe even get to meet some of like my favorite Star Wars YouTubers or something like that. Um, So already for me, 2020 is going to be like a big, just fun Star Wars social experience. Um, cause we're probably not going to have another movie next year. Um, yeah, and, yeah. you know, I, I like there probably will be another video game. Cause we talked about that. Like EA wanted to kind of fast track, like a smaller game for 2020. So we'll probably find out what that is. Um, probably something for like the Mandalorian season two. We'll probably get some more details on the Cassian series. If clone, like part of me is really hoping clone wars debuts in like, December of this year or January of next year or something. So it's just as soon, you know, so we can get it as soon as possible. But there's another part of me that hopes that if it doesn't come out till later in the year, next year, that we get to like watch maybe an entire arc with fellow Star yeah. Wars fans at Celebration or at least a full episode. Mm. Um, Dude, how cool would it be seeing the Siege of Mandalore all of it right, together? Right. <laughs> that would be like, don't even give us a Clone Wars panel, just a screening of the entire Siege of Mandalore arc. Um, that would be a dream come true. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, we got a whole year to wait for announcements and all that kind of stuff. But like I said, right now, I'm just looking forward to getting to hang out with you guys and all our other star Wars friends. Um, and then also it was just cool to hear you echo Paul, what I've read online from a lot of other people saying, um, just how great the sense of community was. And, uh, yeah, after the pat after the, rough last year and a half or so that star Wars has had, um, to know that, uh, you know, there's just still so many people with so much love for it and, uh, that there was just such a great joy and energy and everybody just coming together to celebrate star Wars, which is really what it, uh, you know, it's supposed to be all about. So, um, yeah, well said. Yeah. So that was great to hear. Uh, glad you had a lot of fun and can't wait to have all that fun with you next year. Oh yeah, man. I honestly, guys, I think next year will be, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know how much we're going to get awesome content always with the celebrations. Right. I mean, even with, with a film or no film, but honestly, it'll be hanging out all of us together on the, on the floor together. That's, what's going to be fun for me. Yeah, totally. Without question. Yeah. So great to get all those thoughts on celebration, but let's get to the fun stuff that we've got to talk about for this episode. Um, As Paul said, we're going to save the Mandalorian and all that for our next episode. This is going to be our Rise of Skywalker trailer breakdown, um, because you guys know every time there's a big new trailer for a new Star Wars movie, we got to go shot by shot and dissect everything. But before we get to that, uh, there was a bit of news that came out the day after Celebration, um, and it was a video interview that MTV uh, MTV News did that they uh, did with Kathleen Kennedy. Um, and I'm sure they did this interview probably at Celebration, but then they published it the day after. And it's uh, Josh Horowitz from MTV uh, just asking Kathleen Kennedy some general questions about, you know, Episode Nine and the future of the franchise and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, one thing that I did think was interesting that I'll throw out real quick before we get to the, uh, the big juicy bit of this is that... Um, they talked about kind of the cadence of the star Wars movies and wanting to really make sure that each one feels special and kind of space them out a little bit. And she talked about the fact that after episode nine, they'll maybe take a break for a little bit and kind of reevaluate how they want to go moving forward. And she said, 
they tried seeing if they could do two Star Wars movies a year with Solo and decided that didn't really work. And I thought that was interesting because I was like, well, wait, we've never gotten two Star Wars movies in a year before. They've still only been one a year. But with Solo and The Last Jedi, we did get uh, two within the span of 12 months because Solo came out just like six months after The Last Jedi. And we all kind of criticized that. And, you know, we've talked endlessly about how much better the movie could have done if it was pushed to a December release date. And so it was interesting to see or to, to hear just that little tidbit from her, because that made me think, oh, well, maybe they weren't just being stubborn and like refusing to budge and thinking like, oh, no, we can still put it out in the summer and it'll do great. But that it was actually um, kind of a test to see like if Star Wars movies could perform really well in the summer and in December. Um, and even though they didn't put out two within a year, like obviously if there were two in a year, they'd probably be coming out in the winter and in the summer. And so having one out in the winter and then putting one out the following summer um, and seeing how that went, um, it seems like maybe that was an intentional kind of experiment to see um, kind of how quickly they could put these movies out or how many of them they could do. So um, I thought it was just interesting to hear hear that and hear kind of a take on it that we hadn't really considered before. Um, and it's kind of a shame because, again, I really think that just the spacing of the two movies didn't have everything to do with it. A lot of it also had to do with the reaction to The Last Jedi. Um and there were kind of a lot of factors there. But uh, that was one thing she talked about. But the big takeaway is he asked her uh, about, it just directly straight up said, Knights of the Old Republic. It's something that fans are talking about. It's something that a lot of people want to see. Uh, is there any plans for that in the future? And she was surprisingly direct in answering like, yeah. yes, it's something that, you know, we know the fans are into it. We've talked about it a lot. Um we don't have any solid plans or details to share right now, but yes, we are looking into doing something related to that. Um, so again, like not really much to go on there aside from official confirmation that yes, Kathleen Kennedy like knows what Knights of the Old Republic is and that it's something that Lucasfilm is actively looking at developing. And that kind of lines up with the rumors that we talked about just recently that, uh, you know, those rumors that were saying that that's uh, the series that Benioff and Weiss are going to be working on. Um, and already from that report, like those rumors sounded really uh, credible um, and like that's something that could happen. Um, and obviously it makes sense because like they know that this is something that the fans want. But then to hear Kathleen Kennedy more or less confirm it. Um, and again, like didn't confirm that they're actually doing like a movie adaptation or anything like that or when it's coming out or what it's really going to be about. But still... Uh, this is basically I'm taking as confirmation that at some point we will either have like a movie or a TV series or something set somewhere in the Old Republic time period. And without any further details to go on right now, that is still uh, something that just gets me really excited. And hey, you know what? Maybe we'll get a panel about that next year at Celebration. Um, and even if they're not showing trailers or anything, maybe something uh, kind of like the spinoff panel. Uh, for where they announced Rogue One back at uh, Celebration in 2015. Like maybe they'll have something where they're just talking about uh, the Ryan Johnson movies and the Benioff and Weiss movies and just kind of giving us a little glimpse of what we can expect going forward uh, with the future of Star Wars movies. And if that uh, has something to do with the Old Republic, then I am going to be one very happy Star Wars fan. <laughs> and yeah, I think you should be because I was really shocked that, like you said, she was 
as upfront about it as she was in that interview because I was just expecting the typical, you know, the interviewer specifically asked about Knights of the Old Republic and I was expecting the typical answer about saying, well, we got a lot of stuff on the table or a lot of ideas going around and, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what the future holds. But no, she pretty much confirmed and said Knights of the Old Republic is something they're actively looking at. So that was great to hear. And it just, like you said, I mean, you said it all perfectly, Kyle, but it just lines up to some of the other stuff we were hearing about um, the Benioff and Wise uh, project being the Knights of the Old Republic. And now we hear Kathleen Kennedy say this. So, and we still don't know exactly when those movies are coming, but I mean, all signs seem to point to, Knights of the Old Republic probably being the next bit of Star Wars movies we're going to see. I mean, that's what I'm feeling right now. And unless I hear something different or more other information comes to light, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. That is on the next step for Star Wars in the theaters. So it's exciting. And it also goes into other stuff because, as we know, Kathleen Kennedy was doing a lot of different interviews that Friday after the Rise of Skywalker panel, just talking about the future of Star Wars and even saying how um, they're excited about going into moving to other eras of star wars than what we've seen before in the movies like way beyond than what uh, we're used to seeing so again this hearing that that type of stuff that they're talking about it's all pointing to the direction that the knights of the old republic era is in so i mean i would be shocked now if uh, th those aren't the next slate of films i'm sure things can change as far as their plan goes to what comes first and what comes later but right now it really feels like that's what they're zeroing in on as far as being the next project of Star Wars films that we're going to get. And I mean, no matter how long it takes, I mean, we all know that we rather wait to have something great instead of having something rushed and, you know, to get it out there. But I think, you know, as you were talking about learning the lessons with Solo and being so close to The Last Jedi, they're going to take as much time as they need. And having The Rise of Skywalker being the end of the Skywalker saga films, I think it helps with that too because it is kind of the ending point and you can expect to maybe have a little bit of a gap between an official ending point for a saga that you did before we get to the next one so yeah it's going to be fun and exciting but it's really cool that she actually did confirm it in that interview that you know knights of the republic is a project they're looking to develop so it's really cool yeah for sure i think that what's First of all, I think it's really genius of MTV to wait to post this until after all the other news had dropped. Yeah, that so smart. that yeah. so that I mean, and they they took a chance, I think, because someone else could have asked her this, and she could have given them an answer, and they could have posted it over the weekend, which maybe they did. I don't know, but I don't think that happened. I think they took a chance and said, you know what? Let's wait on this. We've got it. This is, is going to be some good juicy clickbait. And it's good stuff. I mean, it's all accurate. I mean, it's video, right? So people yeah. are going to watch it and they're going to get the hits. You're going to get the advertising dollars, et cetera, et cetera. But what's fascinating is that they waited and that this kind of was like, oh, okay. But again, it just felt, it felt very like, well, no, duh. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think that there's been with the, with the Benioff and Weiss guys, there was that, there was, it seemed like a no brainer. There were rumors of it happening that that was out there. And now she kind of solidifies those rumors. And I think what the reason why they're not announcing it yet is mainly because they want to have a more formal announcement mm -hmm. via something where it be D 23 or whatever. Right. Like, right. so, but and, that and, was why it was kind of so surprising that she just straight up was like, yeah, we're working on it. Um, yeah. Cause even though they haven't announced like the title of a movie or a release date or anything like that, um, the fact that she still basically confirmed it, just in this interview, I was like, well, what? That was kind of out of left field. 
Well, I think what what's telling is the fact that Benioff and Weiss, if you read the, and, and me and, and Tim have gone back to the original uh, uh, press release. And what it says is they're doing a new series of films, not trilogy, but series of films. Oh, yeah. And real quick, uh, Paul, yeah. I, I found another thing interesting. A lot of those recent interviews she was doing on that Friday, she kept referring to like the new sagas we're going to do. Like that's something to be the new word. Like we're going to get a new saga of films. Is it going to go up to nine like the Skywalker saga? I don't know. But it seems like their plan right now is to develop things further than just, you know, a standard trilogy right now. So I found that to be a little interesting, too, where like that was the operative word that she was using to talk about the next phase of films, talking yeah. and describing them as sagas. Yeah, so do exactly. you think there's still do you think the the Ryan Johnson movies and the Benioff nope. and Weiss movies are still going to be separate or do you think they're going to be collaborating on the same separate. series or at least maybe on two different like stories within the same kind of time period? I think it's if I'm being honest here and I know I'm going to sound like a real wet blanket. If I don't think Ryan Johnson is getting made, I really don't. I think really? that's, really? I, I still don't think so. I think Benioff and Weiss are writing high and I think that they're, they're being very quiet right now. And I, and that's a whole other podcast. So I don't want to get too deep in the woods on that, but I will say this. I don't, let's assume that he is going to make his trilogy, Kyle. I still don't think so. I think because, because right now, Ryan Johnson has, I mean, at least Ryan Johnson had no real story. He is, he just was hired. Hey, like by Kathleen Kennedy, Hey, do a trilogy because I want more star Wars content or I need more star Wars content. Okay. Because I worked really well with you and you and you really like that. You're going to hire me. And then the backlash happened or the split down the middle happened. And Ryan Johnson kind of went out there and defended himself. And I think for better, or for worse, kind of muddy the waters a little bit. And, you know, again, I, I'm not the, I respect Ryan Johnson for defending himself and, and keeping the, the, the profile that he has on Twitter. And, and he's been pretty dang consistent. I respect that. I think he probably should have just laid off a little bit, but whatever. Um, that being said, I just I just don't see him being like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. Because right now, that's what's weird is that he didn't really have an idea. They just hired him for films as far as what we know and what he said. And he talked about liking the Lights of the Old Republic, but that's not something that he was like drawn to or that he was inspired by. Now, I think Benioff and Weiss, it makes sense. Because it's something that they're kind of they're they're kind of in the mindset already of doing these kinds of films. Uh, as far as with Game of Thrones, they've got it locked down, and they and they've developed a long arc story for eight seasons, right? And have developed that. It and plus, it's not like they're going back and telling like myth, you know, myth. Uh, they're going from uh, going from Game of Thrones to like plain old. Uh, uh, you know, writing a whole drama or something like that, a modern day drama. No, they're writing Star Wars and they're writing, mm -hmm. they're writing something that can be anything. And I think that what's appealing to them is that they work well together. And I think what you, you hit on something too, uh, Tim, is that they, that they want to develop sagas. And I think what they probably did and said was, listen, this is not game of Thrones verbatim because this is not, 
This is a, this is not like a, a medieval times version of Star Wars. No, this is just this, a different time frame of Star Wars, meaning it's older, yes, but it doesn't have to be medieval. It just has to be like we need to develop these stories of these knights and things like that. And you pretty much have a fresh canvas. You already you did something like that already with Game of Thrones, but here's your chance. And what's interesting is that they don't I don't know if they're we looked at the the press release, Kyle or Tim. And they don't—they're just producing, right? They're not writing or anything, are they? No, I—I th I thought they were writing and producing, but not directing. Yeah, I think it was writing and producing. Okay. When I yeah, I so, read the press release too. Sorry, I was drinking my diet coke. Yeah, so I—I <laughs> guess—I guess what I'm trying to say is this: is that I think that to me, they like—they know, like they—they're going to have their freedom, but they're going to be developing these films together. I'll be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually directed themselves too. I just wouldn't be surprised, especially if things get well going and they're like, man, this is really, we like what we're doing here. I think it's more of like they hired them. They're going to do their job and they're going to help develop these things, but they're also going to be probably, I wouldn't be surprised to end up taking on the whole kit and caboodle. I, I just, you know, or, or they hire one of, and this is what something they could do too. They could end up hiring one of their Game of Thrones people that they they like working with, that the guy who did the Battle of Winterfell, with the or the Battle of the Bastards, mm -hmm. I should say, and that because that episode is regarded as one of, the, or I think it's one of the best TV episodes ever. It's oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And well, I mean, there's a guy, whole handful of Game of Thrones episodes that you could say are among the best TV episodes right. ever. I mean, the whole show is fantastic. So they yeah, got so, a lot yeah. of talented directors they could choose from. Yeah, so I think that like what would be interesting is they they go with something like that, and because I think what Benioff and Weiss want to stretch their legs out a little bit and do different things other than the science fiction and fantasy. But let's be real, they're gonna make it work on Star Wars and probably make a crap load of money at the same time. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's gonna happen. So I I just think that like what I what I presume is Kathleen Kennedy brought it to them. I I bet you anything they she sat down with them and said, listen, we want to do Knights of the Old Republic. And, and and let's assume they have no idea what it is, which I don't even think that's probably the case. But let's assume they have no idea what it is. She just tells them it's about 5,000 years, you know, 5,000 plus years ago before the events of episode one. We're going to tell we're going to be telling the, the 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 Jedi and their prime. You know, Lucas always talked about Jedi and their prime. But this is literally literally Jedi and their prime against Sith. You guys have a fresh canvas. You can develop whatever you want. There's no, you know, there's no prior stories you have to go by. You have whatever you want to do, and I think that is in and of itself really appealing. And that they don't have to worry about following up with, with episode nine. They can literally, literally come up with anything they want to do, and I think that's ultimately why they're probably going back in the past is because this. We can go in the future, and that'd be, and I think that's cool. I think that's going to happen eventually in another ten years. But let's be real; like they're they're probably going to be doing this because there's a fresh canvas here. Like they don't have to worry about films, uh, you know, adhering to any other films other than themselves. And these guys are pretty, you know, hot in demand producers, directors, right? Oh, these guys sure. are coming. These guys are coming off one of the, the most successful TV show probably ever made. So. To me, it just makes more sense. Everything, it's a fresh canvas completely, but it also keeps in line and you're selling the Jedi and Sith names, or at least or at least, at least the Jedi names 100%. And you can, and the, again, 
Oh, you know, there's got to be Sith in there, too. Like, especially because you could go back to, you know, in The Phantom Menace, they say, like, well, the Sith have been extinct for millennia. You could go back to a time when the Sith weren't extinct and see what those ancient conflicts were like between the Jedi and the Sith. Before the rule of two, even, too. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to because in the Old Republic, I mean, there's a whole Sith Empire. There's a bunch of Sith Lords running around. And so, I mean, that's what gets me really excited, too. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of that time period. So there's tons of stuff in there that I'd love to see. But at the same time, I mean, like you're saying, Paul, like it definitely is like a a clean slate and it's like you don't have to make you know a movie about han solo where you got to slot in certain things that are going to line up with like the han solo that we know in the movies um you can create new characters you can tell new stories and at the same time there is still that connectivity where like the fans already have uh an emotional investment in that time period because there's already been so many stories in there that the fans love um and then also just knowing that it's it's the history of the Star Wars universe, you know, like you think of, let's say, like ancient Greece or ancient Rome compared to like now, it's like you could go back and tell a story back then and it doesn't have to like directly connect to current events. But at the same time, like there's a reason we all learn history in school, right? It's because like it influences us to some degree and influences like our our culture and our society and all that kind of stuff. And so... I th- like I think there's a really cool connection there just being able to tell stories that are like the backstory of Star Wars and even though it's not going to directly influence what's happening with Luke and Rey and Kylo and Anakin and Obi-Wan and all that still just knowing that like this all is taking place in the same universe and this is what happened thousands of years ago before Darth Vader and like this is the kind of stuff that the Jedi would have grown up like learning about in the temple like this is like a Jedi history textbook almost like playing mm-hmm. out on screen, but you know, obviously in a, a narrative format with really cool stories and everything like that's what I'm most looking forward to. Um, and I've said before, you know, they could do a movie about Darth Revan, Darth Bane, like any of these other characters from those older eras. Uh, you know, you got tons of different Sith Lords to choose from, you know, Exar Kuhn, all of these guys, but also if they want to take it in their own direction and like just kind of maybe reference some of those things or just come up with completely new characters. I'm totally cool with that. Like, I'm sure we're going to get at least a few like Easter eggs or maybe, you know, references to existing things. But, um, I just, I want to see some fresh stuff in that era. Um, cause also, I mean, there's certain things like, I don't want to maybe spoil it for anybody that hasn't played Knights of the Old Republic, which if you hadn't, if you haven't, you definitely should. Um, but the way that the story plays out in that game, I don't think would be best suited to doing a direct adaptation to a film series. Um, I think it works better when you're playing as those characters. Um, but again, to maybe adapt it and tell that story a different way or to tell a story that takes place kind of alongside it or before it or after it and kind of references some of those same characters, I think would be still be really cool. And I just think there's a lot of awesome possibilities uh for you know different directions they could go with this um and uh yeah i'm like i i don't know what the future is going to be like as far as when we're going to start getting more details about this or when these movies might actually come out i'm assuming probably like 2021 and i would be pleasantly surprised if it was 2020 and i know when we first talked about that rumor i said like well, shoot, the rumor says they're starting production this year, which means it could be out by December of next year. But at the same time, just some of the recent comments we've heard from Kathleen Kennedy and from Bob Iger talking about how after episode nine, they kind of want to give it a little breather 
and uh, just kind of reassess their plans for like what they want to do with Star Wars going forward and making sure that they're not pumping out movies too quickly and stuff um, makes me think that 2021 is probably the more likely scenario. Um, but either way, like I, I can be patient. I can wait. We're going to have, you know, a whole third act of the Skywalker saga to go back and rewatch. And, you know, we got the Mandalorian and Clone Wars and all this stuff coming in the meantime, and, uh, just being able to enjoy all this cool new Star Wars stuff and knowing that something Knights of the Old Republic related is coming on the horizon is, uh, just boy, it's almost as if it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan. Like we've never heard that before. <laughs> well, almost, and, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I kind of think Kyle that I'll be honest. I I think twenty twenty of of Christmas, you we might we could still see it. I they could. I mean, they'd have to start filming what by next year. Well, uh, like by, probably by, by the year, end of this year for sure. What am I? What am I think? Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm part. Yeah. Only think here. Yeah, maybe you're. I think you're right then, because that wouldn't make any sense if they were. That's probably you're right. I'm sorry. I I keep thinking like, yeah, you're right. 2021 is probably when it happens because if they have celebration, the the celebration next year will probably be the ones that are will be broadcasting what it is, what they're doing, and that also talks about a little bit of a hiatus that what's his name talked about, and I, because let's be real, they're not going to do more than a year between films I, you know it's it's well too if they if they don't do one next year then it would be more than a year well are you right. wait, are you we, talking about maybe like not taking more than one off year yeah i think yeah yeah might... no i agree like if if the if the movie doesn't come out next year i think it's 2021 for sure um yeah i don't yeah i don't think they would take more than like two years off um and that and that's what i think i think and what they're probably doing is giving them as much time uh, you know, like, yeah, like I, I just think that there's, there's going to be a, some time where they can get their game of Thrones stuff done. Cause that's what I think they're doing. I think they're just stalling for the game of Thrones to be done. And once game, cause they're going to, what they're going to want to do is piggyback right off of game of Thrones. Yeah. So what, what's going to happen is once game of Thrones ends and all is buzzed about how these guys ended this, the book series before the book was finished, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to be like, now Benioff and Weiss go to do Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. Here's a press release, what they're they're doing. Just like how they did with Gareth Edwards and Godzilla, right? So yeah. that's what I kind of feel. I think they're going to they're going to ride the wave of Game of Thrones, and they're going to ride it hard, and they're going to ride it right into that, and then they're going to develop it and say, okay, they're, you know, we're, we're going to announce it, and we're going to announce it when it's going to be released later on. And it, I wouldn't even be surprised if once they do their the next press release that this is what they're, they're officially doing, that they end up actually announcing when it is released. And let's be real. It's probably going to be 2021 or late 2020 at the most. Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah, again, like I definitely don't think it's coming any sooner than December of next year. Um, yeah. But and it kind of depends on like how far they're maybe into pre-production already. Um, you know, if they're ready to hit the ground running as soon as Game of Thrones is done and they start production this year and they finish filming by the end of the year and then have a year to do post-production, like it definitely could be out by the end of next year. But um, yeah, like we said, I just think the comments from Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger suggest that it's probably going to be 2021 if I had to guess. Um, and whether it's summer or winter, um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but 
Um, regardless, I'm just really excited to find out more about whatever they're working on uh, whenever they're ready to share it with us. And hopefully, I mean, I'm sure we'll, well, hopefully we'll get some more details by the end of the year. Um, here, here, here's like definitely once they start working on it, once Game of Thrones is done, I would think we'll maybe at least get a little bit of a tease on it. I think we will. And I'll just end my thoughts and we're going along on this. Like we always do. Um, <laughs> as you knew, as you predicted, Kyle, uh, really fast. I kind of think, do you think they'll stick with the Christmas release date or will they go a summer release date potentially? Because you could, even though let's, let's assume it doesn't go out in 2020 in the Christmas. Cause I think you're probably right. But do the, if you released it in 2021 in that, that summer or that April or that May, would you would it be that much of a difference? A six month difference at that point. It's not that big of a difference. So I kind of feel are they going to be attached to that Christmas release? Because I think now Christmas is a popular thing for a lot of studios to start using now. So I almost feel like they should start spreading it out even more. Cause after Aquaman was successful, all these other studios are getting involved in Christmas time. So Well, right. I, but the I think the only reason Aquaman was so successful is because there was no Star Wars movie out this past Christmas. I agree, but even if you put out that's my point though, is that you have look Aquaman is gonna be it's not comparable to Star Wars as far as popularity. Let's don't don't get me wrong, but if you put out a Wonder Woman or an Aquaman, people still like those movies. And there's it's going to be counter-programming to, to an extent. It's going to be detrimental to your bottom line. Well, and right, but there's even more of that during the summer. Yeah, um, I think, too, that like, since Disney owns both Marvel and Star Wars, I think they like having two like big tent poles in the different parts of the year where sure. in the late April, early May, that's like the big Marvel movie. That's pretty much when all the big either Avengers film or if there's no Avengers film that year, like the big property of the marvel slate that year is in april and may and then you get star wars for december so i think they like that format and obviously it's proven to work well for them and the one time they did have a star wars movie in may it didn't so i inclined to think that they're really going to stick to the december release and have that be their star wars month yeah. yeah i that would be my guess um but it also totally depends on the slate and kind of the buzz around what they're working on. Because you could put, like, if they do a Knights of the Old Republic movie and people think there's enough interest for that and you stick it in the middle of the summer, people could kind of, like, other studios might want to clear the way, you know, and maybe not put out anything else like that same weekend. Um, whereas, you know, Solo came on the heels of Infinity War and Deadpool, like two movies that were you know, even more successful. And like, even though solo was a good movie, like going into it, it just wasn't as there wasn't as much interest built up around it because of just like the late start to the marketing and the backlash from the last Jedi. But also like, even when the movie was announced, you know, there were a lot of star Wars fans that were like, eh, do we really need a Han solo movie? So, um, you know, spinoff movies are one thing, but if they're marketing this as like, you know, we're jumping into a completely different timeline. We're telling a completely new Star Wars story in a new era that a lot of people are already interested in. And like, this is chapter one of a brand new Star Wars saga. You know, I'm not sure other studios are going to want to be up against that. They may, you know, push right. their other big movies like two or three weeks away from that. So um, I don't know. Either way, I think it's going to be pretty successful. And especially if there's been a couple of years off. Like, even if they put it in the summer, it's not going to have all the factors going against it that Solo had. So I don't think summer release automatically equals bad for Star Wars. Um, I think they're yeah. just going to have to look at their production timeline and 
maybe what else is going on that year, like what the other studios have coming out. Um, I mean, after Endgame, like we know Marvel has other movies planned, but maybe that'll be a little bit more of a quiet year for Marvel. And so maybe Star Wars will be like the big release for the summer that year, or maybe they'll just want to keep it to December. Um, I mean, I'm not going to try to predict it because I think, you know, the people involved know what they're doing. And I think either way, they're going to just position it where they think it'll be the most successful. So, um, heck, if it's 2021 and it is summer instead of winter, that's fine with me because I get to see it six months sooner. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, regardless, I think, uh, you know, obviously we'll we'll find more about that uh, in the coming months and or, you know, next year or so. Um Let's have to quote Qui-Gon here. We shall be patient. <laughs> yeah, and also to quote Yoda, always in motion is the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as excited as I am about a Knights of the Old Republic movie potentially coming in a couple of years, I'm even more excited right now about Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and Tim and I already talked about this on the last episode, obviously, uh, and we spent probably about an hour talking about it, and I still feel like we barely scratched the surface, and we were waiting yep. for Paul to get back <laughs> to really jump into all our theories and to go through everything yep. in the trailers. So uh, let's jump right in to the Episode Nine trailer breakdown. Um, and, you know, normally we go shot by shot, but obviously the beginning of it is kind of... <laughs> A, like almost a little scene put together. So let's just kind of talk about that whole thing sure. uh, to start with where we see Ray standing in the desert of what I'm calling uh tattoo Jakku Jetta. Um, <laughs> and then, wait, Tim, didn't you say you had a theory that it could be a fourth planet? I did. And I, it's probably not going to be too accurate, but I just couldn't help but think, especially at the end, once we got the Palpatine reveal that, what if it's actually Moribond? Because the layout of it, the, now here's the thing that's different from just basing it off what we've seen in the Clone Wars Yoda arc. It is a desert landscape. There's tons of mountains in its background, but the sky coloring is like, if it's like, it's more Geonosha style, like the orangey red feel to it than it is like we're seeing here, but it reminds us of Tatooine or Jakku or whatever. But the, that mountain landscape, we haven't really seen too much of it. it's definitely not in Jakku and a little bit of a new hope when R2 is going through that canyon but this seems like where they're at it feels a little different than both of those planets and yeah Jeddah is another one that it's kind of like that with the mountain landscape as well but it doesn't feel like Jeddah to me for whatever reason it just I'm not getting that Jeddah vibe <laughs> but the idea that Palpatine is involved with this movie now you know a Sith an actual Sith Lord maybe that takes them to Moraband for one reason or another, to have the final confrontation, the big epic conclusion, like the big final battle of the Star Wars saga takes place, takes place on the Sith homeworld. I think that could be really cool. And maybe they're just scratching, use that word again, scratching the surface like we did on this trailer in our previous episode. This trailer just scratching the surface of what we're going to see on this planet. Because what if this is just you know the beginning or middle of it and the final confrontation takes place in like a Sith temple within those mountain canyons or, you know, just to have it, they're keeping some surprises and showing that it is actually more by not showing like a Sith a, a statue or a temple or whatever that hints that maybe that is where they're at. I think just from a narrative standpoint, that could be cool. But again, that's 
you know, it could happen. It's a possibility, but I'm not getting too like too hopeful about it. Not clinging to that <laughs> speculation or idea I have for it. But it was a thought when I saw this trailer and after hearing Palpatine was in it, going back and watching, I think, you know, what the the mountains, the desert landscape of it, it could be more bond. And with Palpatine being back, it's making me feel that way a little more so. So I don't know if that's gonna be the case, but I did ha think of that option as far as you know, having it be a new planet but yet one we're kind of familiar with. So but one scene in the movie for the first time, I think it'd be really cool. So we'll see, but just some, I couldn't help but think about uh, once I was putting two to two together about Palpatine being involved and potentially this planet being something new. So we'll see. Yeah. It's I, definitely an interesting possibility. I don't think it looks like atmospheric enough to be more band. But yeah, just because like it's too bright and sunny, mm -hmm. that's the one um, thing that's keeping me back on it. <laughs> the main but thing I should say. It's the first teaser trailer. They could be intentionally like they could have you know digitally edited it to make it look that way, or maybe yeah. that's the way that it looked when they shot it. And you know they're gonna go and do some more color grading and stuff later to make it look like more abandoned. Photoshop in some you know Sith temples in the background and stuff. Um, so, I mean, sure, why not? We can throw that on the table as an option. Um, I, my guess would still be that it's... I mean, if I had to bet right now, I'd say it's probably Jakku. Um, just because... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, based on, you know, in A New Hope, they started on Tatooine and went back there in Return of the Jedi. And... You know, maybe Ray is back here searching for some clue about her parents or her heritage or something. Um, I've also heard a lot of people say that she looks really tan in this. And so maybe this is at the beginning of the movie. And for the time in between episode uh, eight and nine, maybe she went back to Jeddah or sorry, to uh, Jakku to just be by herself and to focus on her Jedi training. Um and so maybe she's been back on Jakku for a while, like either to hide from the First Order or just to kind of be isolated and to, to do more Jedi training stuff. Um, but yeah, I just think that would make the most sense just because it's already connected to the story and to her character. Um, I also, I mean, I think it would be really cool if it was Jedha and if she was there looking for Jedi artifacts or something. But aside, like the thing that makes me think it might be Jedha is just like you mentioned, Tim, the fact that it's kind of more mountainous uh, than we've mm -hmm. really seen before on uh, Tatooine or Jakku. But then again, you know, just because it's a desert planet doesn't mean the entire thing has to be flat sand. Like we already know these planets can have, you know, some slightly varying geographical regions. And even on Tatooine, you've got like the Dune Sea and then you've got the Jundland Wastes and you got Beggar's Canyon. And, you know, so there's some different areas that are kind of either more rocky or got more canyons or whatever. Um so I could very easily see them just saying that this is a different area of Jakku. Um, or it could be, like I said, or it could be Tatooine. It could be, like, I don't know. Um, I just think story-wise, Jakku probably makes the most sense right now. But we really have no idea. Yeah, I think it could be. I think it's either Jak Jakku or Tatooine. And I, I kind of, the one reason why I think it's Tatooine possibly is that the we all know that J or not we all know but it seems like common knowledge that JJ likes to film in order of sequence and which is a rare a rare thing to do in in a filmmaking and you know probably better than anyone Kyle but 
um, but uh, of us here. But from what I understand, JJ likes to shoot in order. And I think what's interesting is that he remember he posted that picture of of uh, of everyone on the last day of filming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were on the desert planet. Yeah. So I kind of think that I think that that potentially is Tatooine, and I think the saga should end on Tatooine, just like how it begins. I would agree. Yeah. And I think that maybe Jakku and Tatooine are both. That's a possibility. Like what the scene opening right now could be Tatooine or Jakku, and they could end on Tatooine. But I have a feeling it's going to end on Tatooine. Like somehow it's going to end that way. Hmm. And, and I, I'm not sure. Sh- anyway, go ahead. No, no, I'll let you finish. Well, I'm sorry. No, I, really fast. I, I just kind of feel that that's where it's going to go. And I think if it, it should go that way. And you know, and, and we'll we'll see. But I, I just seems like it just seems like if you're gonna end the saga, like they're 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 at they're really doing a good job of of wrapping this thing up, which we'll get we'll get to here in a second. Um, but like if that's really how it, the Skywalker saga is gonna end, it should end on Tatooine where it all began. So, and I think that seem, makes sense. But that's just my opinion. I but but it wouldn't surprise me if we both saw Jackie and Tatooine. But well, I think it would be a little too confusing to have them both in the same movie just Agreed. because they look really similar visually. I, I see your point. Like, it definitely could be, like, even though we started on Jakku in The Force Awakens, I think if they went to Tatooine instead, and as long as they just kind of clearly differentiate, like, hey, even though it's deserty and sandy, like, it's not Jakku, and they have a clear reason in the story for going to Tatooine instead, I think that could make sense. Um, but I think just to the general audiences that don't keep up with, you know, all the the names of all the planets and stuff, I think it would be pretty confusing to uh, to have two planets in the same movie that have almost identical landscapes and try to explain that, like, well, we were on this planet here, but now we're on this planet here. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd probably one or the other. And I'm really getting the feeling it is tattooing now. I know before when we were talking about that uh, image you mentioned, Paul, when they wrapped up filming, how it I, I said on that podcast where it's probably going to be Jakku because, you know, that's the planet JJ created and this is his last movie wrapping up this trilogy. It would make sense for him to revisit it. But now that I see more of this planet in the trailer, um, I do think it probably would be tattooing more. And I know you were talking about Kyle and I agree with you about, you know, planets, are a bit, probably huge planets, and there's more to it than just one area we see in a particular movie. But don't you think that because Jakku was so, you know, um, its whole, lost for words, I'm trying to think of the right word to say here, but its whole, I guess, the recognizable trait are those crash ships, Star Destroyers, X-Wings, TIE Fighters. You'd think, wouldn't they want to revisit that if they were going back to Jakku? But that's because, like, it's, iconic you know visual standpoint when you think of jakku you think of those landscapes with the crashed ships and the battle that went on there and again i know this could be a totally different area of jakku that's far away from where the battle took place but a part of it thinks that would be something they would want to show again because it is almost a trademark look of jakku are those down ships of those those classic ships that we knew from uh, the original trilogy so that kind of leads me to believe that maybe this is Tatooine and I totally agree with you Paul of how just from a narrative standpoint it would be very fitting for the Skywalker saga to conclude on Tatooine where it all began and as I said on the last episode JJ and in every interview who he gave during that day of the panel he kept talking about 
how you know the responsibility responsibility of not only wrapping up his trilogy but the entire Skywalker saga and I think that could be a factor in a or a way that he could do that is to take it where it all began to Tatooine and but the reason why I don't know but I'll be looking forward to seeing the reasons why and how what draws them to going back to Tatooine but yeah and also too I totally agree with what you were saying as well Paul how this it just feels like this is a climactic battle or at least the beginning of it like it does feel like the final showdown she's having here with Kylo or you know there's been some debate if that is actually Kylo in the TIE fighter but just you know the intense look on her face you know we heard the heavy breathing beforehand it just feels like she's getting ready for the final showdown to begin right at this moment so I do believe too that this is probably um, the beginning of the ending sequence for the movie so yeah maybe I'm wrong but <laughs> I just got that feeling and I've heard different theories about maybe this whole sequence being a training exercise for Ray and I'm just, I just don't feel that way it just feels like too intense and just too big of you know an epic build-up to what's going to be I'm sure an epic final conclusion and final showdown that you know, the good guys are going to have with the bad guys. So we'll see. But that's the, the vibe I'm getting for it right now. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell because, like you said, I think it could. Well, first of all, the fact that it's on this desert planet and we see the shots of, um, you know, the rest of the crew uh, later in the trailer that we'll get to. Um, but there's other stuff going on on this desert planet that Ray's not the only one here. And so I definitely mm. think... Um, that maybe this is where they're all heading to uh, later on in the film. Although I also think uh, if we're guessing like where it's going to finally end up and like where the final showdown is going to happen, I think it's probably um, on a certain piece of debris uh, or maybe on that planet. Um, so I think this, <laughs> this definitely could be earlier in the movie. Um as far as well, we'll we'll get to the Tie Fighter and stuff in a second because I was still going to kind of go through and talk about just the the planet and the dialogue and the voice and everything. Look, I mean, look how long we've already spent just debating what planet this is. Um, <laughs> but hey, I mean, it's a it's a fair question. Um, also, I have to say I like what you guys are saying about finishing off the Skywalker saga where it started. And also, Tim, you brought up a good point about the fact that. Um, you know, about like the crash starships on Jakku, because even though sure, this could be a different area of the planet, like that, like how this sequence would look really cool. If, um, you know, if you had some of those crash ships in the background, I think it would make a really cool backdrop for a scene like this. And so the fact that they're not implementing that, um, I make maybe makes me think that this is Tatooine and that those ships just aren't there. Cause I think it would be a really cool stylistic choice to like have uh, that tie fighter racing through like a graveyard of old ships instead of mm. just this flat desert area. At the same time too, that's why I'm kind of glad hopefully that it's not because again, just to do another repeat of what we see in the force awakens that while it's looked visually looks so cool, I would rather have something that's more like this, and have it not be Jakku, like I said. Again, I really get that vibe that it is Tatooine more now than ever. So, yeah, I would definitely prefer that. And if that's the direction they go, I, I would really be happy about that, just to give it, you know, that more distinction instead of, you know, being exactly what we've seen in The Force Awakens. Because I think Return of the Jedi was kind of like that, too, when they went back to Tatooine. It looked, because, yeah, we're inside Jabba's Palace most of the time, but even when they got out, you had the Starlight Pit. It just felt you know, different, even though it was the same planet. So 
Yeah, um, I'm getting agreed. that different vibe from this one too, even though mm -hmm. it's another desert planet. So, yeah. Well, um, anyway, so we start with Ray on this undisclosed desert planet. Um, like you said, you start with hearing just her heavy breathing, um, and then the camera just zooms in on her face. And I love the voiceover that we got from Luke here. Um, and he says, we've passed on all we know. Uh, a thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight. And... Um, you know, so I think like a lot of us, well, I think most of us assumed that Luke was just going to be a force ghost in this movie. But then, you know, there was kind of some question about like how involved is he going to be or is there any way that he could possibly come back like actually in person or, you know, we just kind of weren't sure exactly what what Luke's role was going to be. But I think just this voiceover kind of sets up that he really is going to kind of be taking on almost like that Obi-Wan role from A New Hope where in Return of the Jedi, he just kind of imparts some last words of wisdom to Luke. Um and, uh, you know, gives him some more information, telling him about his father and all that. But really, like, it's Luke's fight. And uh, in this case, you know, it sounds like he's just telling Ray, like, hey, we've passed on all we know to you. Um, and now, like, a thousand generations of Jedi that have come before you, like, now you're the one carrying that torch and this is your fight. So I'm not expecting to see, you know, any big climactic battle where like force ghost Luke is somehow force pushing people around or anything like that. I think this really is going to be, um, the focus on, uh, Ray as the hero for this final act. Um, but and we also talked about, and I think Tim, we talked about this on the last episode too, right? How just him saying, uh, we've passed on all we know mm -hmm, yeah. that maybe we could, uh, also potentially see like Yoda or Anakin as a force ghost. Um, that, you know, maybe uh, there's there's multiple people that Lu that Ray is talking to in whatever scene this is going to be. Because obviously, I mean, this is trailer voiceover um, that I think could be from an actual scene in the movie, but I don't think that it's going to be overlaid on this scene right here. Um, and another another thing too that I wanted to bring up as far as Luke's dialogue here is not necessarily what Luke's saying or what he said makes me think of, you know, the action Ray is taking, because we just all assume he's talking to Ray here. Obviously, he mm -hmm. said passing on what we know. This is your fight now. So it just makes me think that Ray's kind of coming to Luke in a time of crisis here. Maybe this is after she realized Palpatine is back and finds out who Palpatine is and knows his history. She immediately, you know, tries to find help in Luke, knowing that, he, you know, he fought Palpatine or, you know, went up against him and was part of how he Palpatine fell in Return of the Jedi and just looking for his help in order to, you know, take him down. That's what, you know, if we can go a little further that going into our wishful thinking of getting, you know, multiple force ghosts here, you know, Anakin chimes in since he was the one who defeated Palpatine and, and Yoda shows up because he fought Palpatine, just getting, you know, looking for advice from all these different characters who've had experience in dealing with Palpatine and just, you know, them having to reassure her and tell her, you know, like, you know, we've done all we can. This is now your fight, but we've, you know, showed you everything we know. So, like, I just wondering if this is, you know, the final pep talk Ray gets from Luke and hopefully other multiple force goes here, um, thinking maybe she doesn't have what it takes to defeat the ultimate evil in the galaxy who's <laughs> survived generations. And, but, you know, um, Luke tells her exactly what she needs or there's some other motivating factor that gets her to, you know, really believe that, you know, this is her fight now and just not just hers, but as the other thing that's been playing 
or JJ has been talking about with this movie, this new generation really taking on and learning from the past and the other characters um, taking on that responsibility of being, you know, the defenders of the light and peace in the galaxy. And just, you know, this being the final, I guess, handoff to what they need to defeat the ultimate evil. So this makes me wonder not only, you know, the circumstances of uh, Luke saying all this, but where Ray is at in her uh, state of mind once Luke is telling her all this. So just a lot of stuff to think about with this dialogue from Luke. But just from a trailer standpoint, I just love it that he was the first voice you hear. You know, Ray's the main character of this trilogy, so it's appropriate that she's the first uh, person we see in the trailer. But then hearing Luke was really cool as well. And having it be do dialogue this time, because we know in the very, not the very first, but uh, the longer teaser we got of The Force Awakens where Luke was giving that a dialogue over there, which was really cool. We knew it was taken from Return of the Jedi, but this sounds like brand new dialogue from the Rise of Skywalker. It's just such a cool way to kick off the trailer. So it just works on so many levels. <laughs> I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I have something to say about this dialogue, but I want to wait till the- we talk about the title specifically. Okay. Okay. Um, hope you remember it because that'll be like an hour from now. Uh, <laughs> I have, I, trust me, I'll have. I've been thinking about it for a week almost now, so we'll be fine. Um, but then, of course, as Luke is saying, you know, but this is your fight. We see Ray taking the lightsaber off her belt, um, and it is the same, you know, Skywalker lightsaber that we saw destroyed in the Last Jedi, and she still had the pieces of it. Um, and, you know, it's a little hard to see because her hand is covering it, but it looks like it's been modified a little bit. Like there's maybe kind of like a band in the middle that's holding it together um, where it had been, you know, previously broken in half. Um, and we another s- thing, that, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry covering everyone off, but <laughs> I'll let you guys finish. <laughs> well, I, w- I mean, if you if, like, I'm just kind of describing the scene as we go. So if you if you want to jump in and talk about any kind of one specific thing, go ahead. Yeah, just cause I don't know if you're going into this next, but another thing I loved about um, her taking the lightsaber and igniting it, I think that's the first time that we also see she still has the gun Han gave her mm-hmm. from The Force Awakens. And I just love the fact that she's carrying on the weapons of, you know, the t- her two mentors throughout the course of her story, of course, being Han and Luke. And, you know, she probably doesn't need a blaster if she's, you know, become more efficient with the lightsaber. But I think she's probably doing it more to honor Han and his legacy and his memory. I just think that's really cool that it is part of her arsenal and just her costume design. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, I think it was definitely a nice touch to uh, still have that on there. Um, Also, I just have to say, I'm liking her outfit a little bit more. Like, I know I had said before how I thought it was just kind of derivative. Like, it looked just like her Jakku outfit from The Force Awakens, only more white. Um, but you know, being able to see it up close in this trailer now, we can see like it's got a little bit of a collar on it. It's got a hood from behind. Yes, I love that. <laughs> um, so it is. It's kind of like a combination of her outfit from the first movie, but it's it's been Jedi robed up a little bit, if you will. Um, so I'm I'm okay with it. Like I don't, I still don't love it necessarily, but I like it more than I did before. I would agree with you on I definitely like the the outfit a little bit more. It seems like it's more it's modified. I think it's still a little bit lazy as far as what they're doing with the character as as far as the costume and the look of, of Ray because I've loved I love Octu Ray. That outfit's my favorite mm-hmm. with the poncho and her in her green uh her whole like green outfit. I think that that is my favorite outfit she's worn so far and I'm I'm really disappointed that they went with more of a a lazier look like what's just Put her in the same thing as last time. It's like, ugh. but uh, that being said, uh, 
I'll be honest, guys. I'm not a big fan of the sequence. Really? Really? Yeah. Like, like there's something. I just don't like the fact that she's just waiting there and we're waiting for this TIE fighter to come through. It just feels like they know what it feels like. They, they didn't have a, a trailer, really enough footage ready, and they needed to put something together for a teaser. And they put this in there as like, I don't know. It just doesn't. It just. I, I love this teaser after it, but up until this point, I don't really have much to say other than that it just takes forever and they need to waste time. See, I think it's the perfect buildup for a trailer, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised at all if, you know, once we see the movie, this is heavily edited and it's paced yeah. totally different. But for a trailer, I think it's the perfect buildup because I just remember when I first saw that shot of Ray and we see in the desert, okay, this is cool. We're getting new Star Wars footage here. And it kept building and building. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait for what comes next. And then once she ignites that lightsaber and she does that awesome turnaround of that cool pose <laughs> that lightsaber i love that shot um, you're just waiting for something big to happen and i think it had a pretty nice payoff for that long wait with the tie fighter and like i said it just feels like such a big epic showdown and i think for as long as we waited to get this trailer and this title it was just a little more build up to a bunch of other cool stuff we're gonna get in this trailer so i thought it was kind of the perfect opening for it even though maybe it Felt, could feel a little long to some people, but I like the buildup that it had and the momentum it kept building and building to that final moment when she flips over that TIE fighter. Yeah, definitely. I love the momentum of it too. Um, especially for, like you said, Tim, this being our first glimpse at it. And as you're hearing that dialogue from Luke, you're just kind of watching and wondering like, okay, what's going on here? Um, and building and building up to that really awesome action shot. Um, I thought was great, especially, like you said, just for getting us hyped up for this first teaser. And who knows if it'll actually play out like this in the movie, Um, because, yeah, they could maybe edit it down a little bit. But also, if there's a lot of tension building up to this scene, and depending on what exactly is going on here, um, I think they could just keep it like this and try to build that tension in the movie, too. Um, I'm really interested to know, like, what is leading up to this moment, because obviously I'm assuming Ray's not just going to be you know, starting the movie, like standing in the desert and Kylo's coming after her with his TIE fighter. And, um, I mean, as you guys mentioned before, like there's theories that maybe they could be working together and this is some kind of training exercise or, um, I mean, it certainly seems just from first glance, like they're adversaries, but it's like, I don't know, why would this be playing out exactly the way it is? You know, why would he be trying to like, what's he trying to do? Like run her over with the TIE fighter? Um, in fact, I saw an edited version of this where there's all the long tension and buildup. And then as the TIE fighters coming at her, it just shoots her and keeps going. Yeah, um, I saw that. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, yeah, like you said, so she, she ignites the lightsaber. She does the turn. And of course the text comes up that says every generation has a legend. Um, which kind of fits nicely with just some of the other taglines that we've seen in some of the, the Star Wars trailers, like the every saga has a beginning from the Phantom Menace and stuff like that. Yeah. That um, line in particular was exactly the same as the Phantom Menace one, which I loved. So like again, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I just love the callbacks that the taglines had to the Phantom Menace trailer. It was so cool. Yeah. And the, which, again, ties nicely into that theme of like tying the whole saga together in this movie mm-hmm. and not just the sequel trilogy. Um, which again, we'll go back into my explanation of the title, but continue. Oh yeah. No, don't worry. There's plenty of title discussion coming. Um, but then, yeah, just, you know, as Luke was talking, you see kind of the shape of that ship in the distance descending and you kind of hear the TIE fighter engines from far off. And then there's, 
you know, just this really cool kind of side-scrolling shot across the desert as the TIE fighter flies by and kicks up all this dirt behind it. Um, she ignites the lightsaber. She turns around. We see gloved hands on the controls of the fighter, but you don't actually see that it's Kylo. Um, although watching this again, I mean, you can also see kind of his chest and like his cape draping down over yeah. his arms. So I'm like, I'm like 98% sure that's Kylo in that ship, especially because it looks so much like his TIE fighter from The Last Jedi, although it's not the same ship exactly. But I love the modifications that they've made to it. And I talked yeah. about that the last time, too. But I think somehow they took probably my favorite TIE fighter design in all of Star Wars and made it even cooler in this movie. Weirdly enough, by making it look more like a regular TIE fighter. Um, like, it's got the really cool, slick wings of the TIE silencer, but on more of a traditional TIE fighter cockpit with just some cool, like, black and red uh, paint job to it. Um and then, of course, we see Ray with the lightsaber ignited just turn and sprinting across the desert as the TIE fighter barrels down behind her. And at the last minute, she just jumps and does this flip and looks like she's going to maybe land on top of it. Um, you know, I don't oh, know. Man. I don't know if she's trying to land on top of it or like slice it as it's going by. That's what or I'm hoping for. <laughs> or she's trying to like slice into the cockpit and get Kylo out or whatever. Like... Again, I'm I'm like it looks cool just the way they put it in the trailer, but it's also they put in just the perfect amount that I'm really curious to know what happens right before and right after this in the actual movie. Yeah, this is really cool. This is I'm talking about like a great payoff to that kind of big long build that we got in the beginning. And immediately I was already loving this trailer, but when I first saw it, but you know, <laughs> it got taken to a whole nother level by the end. But just the shot where we're seeing her do that high jump going up against the TIE fighter. It's just something we haven't seen a uh, force user do in a live action Star Wars movie before. And we've seen some, you know, high jumps that Jedi have done, especially in the prequels and the Phantom Menace, thinking of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's fight with Darth Maul in the Naboo uh, reactor chamber. They did some pretty acrobatic moves there, but this reminds me of stuff we've kind of seen more in Clone Wars and even Rebels with some of the stuff Kanan did. As far as Jedi's using the force and lightsabers to take on these you know, vehicles, which in the live action movie, correct me if I'm wrong, we really haven't seen before. And like you said, we don't know what she does by the time she finishes her jump here. But I kept thinking, man, how cool would it be if she slices off, you know, a wing or just mm -hmm. slices it in two or something? Or like you said, just goes on top, gets Kyle around. But man, it's just I can't wait to see what happens next here. It was just such an awesome shot that just got you really pumped for, you know, what's coming after this trailer. And part of me actually thought I mean, if this was really going to be a short tease, because like you said, it was a long buildup with seeing Ray face down against that TIE fighter and hearing Luke's dialogue, where this could have been an end shot to a trailer if they really wanted it to just be a quick tease, kind of like the first uh, Force Awakens teaser we got. Um, this would have been the shot to end it on because it gets you really excited. It gets you pumped. It's the money shot. And then as it fades to black, you can just see the Star Wars logo come up and then we get the title there. But thankfully it wasn't the case, but... This shot was so good, it felt like it could have been one of those money end shots for a trailer. I just loved it, how it was paced, it was built up to, and just, you know, makes you excited to see what's going to happen next. I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, well, then, of course, the famous This Christmas line comes up. Um, and, oh, yes. And then we cut to a shot that at first I was just like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then, you know, some things that were pointed out by people on the Internet. I think make this one of the most interesting shots in the whole trailer. Um, yeah. 
and it looks like we're probably on a new planet. It's um, looks like it's nighttime. There's some mountains poking up through some clouds, and a ship flies by, and it looks like it's headed for uh, like a city or a village or something that's kind of nestled in the mountains. Um, and it looks like a new ship design, which I thought was, okay, that's cool. We'll get like some kind of new starship in this. But if you pause it, and uh, I mean, I can't even pause it at a good angle here myself, but I've seen like still frames of it online that people have compared to a certain scene from The Force Awakens. And this looks, at least from the back, almost identical to the ship in Ray's vision from when she's a little kid watching presumably her parents fly away and leave her abandoned as a, an orphan on uh, Jakku. Um, which, regardless of how this scene is going to play out, makes me think that you know there could be some really interesting stuff going on here. First of all, are we actually going to go back and kind of revisit that? And are we, like, is Ray's lineage going to play a bigger role in this movie? Are we going to find out that she actually is related to somebody and maybe she's just decided that she didn't want to believe what Kylo told her in The Last Jedi and she's off searching for answers on her own, um, which then begs the question, is this shot, if that actually is that same ship, is it like a continuation of that flashback? Is she going to find out more information and we're just going to see more flashbacks that explain what happened? Or do you think she maybe will, in her sort of quest for answers, maybe find that same starship? And, you know, search the Navi computer or something and try to find out where the ship went the last time it left Jakku. And so maybe that's, that's actually Ray in that ship um, trying to find out where her parents went. I think that there's they've already debunked that it's the same ship. Have they? Yeah, I think they have. People have shown like the differences and it's similar, but it is. I think it is different. I, I could be wrong. But I could have sworn that people have already said, no, it's not the same ship. And it's, they've kind of proven that it might not be. But what you're saying, Kyle, is very true that they're, that she could be looking for her parents. Like J.J. had mentioned that her parents are not – that mystery is not done yet. Yeah. And that's what's – gosh, you know, it's, that's what's really interesting to me because I don't – I don't know. It, it's hard to say what they're going to do. There could be a big reveal. I mean what if – Gosh, you know, and again, this whole ship kind of brings us up, but what if, you know, Palpatine, you know, is a reason why Ray exists in the first place? What if oh, she boy. is another, <laughs> what if she's another version of the force that we where it's revealed, you know? And, and, and again, like, and, and again, this it go, it's it all ties in to me. This whole speculation is all tied on the, to the, basically to the title of this movie, which again, we're getting to the end of it. But, but as far as this goes, I don't know if there will, if there's going to be anything revealing this. It does interest me of where they're going because it is an adventure film. We do know that where exactly, why are they going in places and where they're going and how does it pertain to the story? Cause I'm wondering, is that where that city, is that the same planet that they're on, that the Death Star two is on or, you know, cause they can't they go to all these different, like they're not going to go to more than like what, four different planets. So we're on a sand planet. We're on, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like we're, they're on that, they're obviously that, that the other field planet that a seems jungle. to be a jungle planet. Yeah. So how many different planets are there? So it's gotta be a part of something. It's probably not part of the, uh, it's not part of probably the desert planet. So it might be part of the jungle planet potentially. Yeah, and but I still think it could be maybe like a small side mission 
you know, if Ray is going off in search of answers, because if you think about it, think of like Rogue One. Like, I think that movie had a lot of planets because you've got Jetta, Scarif, That's true. Yavin, Eidu, um, yeah. and then also Mustafar, um, whatever planet they find Jin on at the beginning of the movie. I mean, there's so many planets that that was the movie that they decided to start putting, you know, subtitles for, you know, all the different planets that they go to. So um, I could definitely see this being a new planet that, you know, Ray just goes off to on her own for just a few minutes or something. I don't yeah. know. As soon as, you know, I saw the tweet you referenced, Kyle, about, you know, comparing the shots and the ship from this shot here in the trailer and The Force Awakens for Ray's flashback. And how they work very similar. To me, it makes me think that they're t- even if it is technically maybe uh, looks a little different than that ship we saw in The Force Awakens, it's still pretty close to make you think that maybe just from production standpoints, they made little tweaks here and there. And uh, before I was thinking that this could be a flashback because I totally, you know, JJ said it, so <laughs> I'm believing it where we are going to learn more about Ray's parents. I think we are going to find out who they are and you know just what their deal is because he said there's more to the story than what we got he said we're honoring what happened in eight but there's more to the story with regarding ray and her parent and her parents so when i first saw that image you tweeted out or quote tweeted <laughs> for the person who made that comparison and looked back at the shot i really thought this could be a flashback of you know is this where ray's parents uh sell her for drinking money then they drop her off to jacku but um, but then you guys make some great points about possibly maybe Ray gets the ship and this is where it takes her to find out more about her parents. But um, maybe we'll save it. I'll save what I have to say regarding uh, Palpatine and all this till we get to that moment in the end, because I got some theories, like you said, Paul, as far as him being tied to uh, Ray and her, you know, strong uh, force abilities. So, but in regards to this shot right here, at first when I saw it, I just thought, you know, you know, a cool looking visual looking like a new planet that, um, we haven't wasn't expecting to see for in the episode nine trailer because with the leaked images we've gotten and the behind the scene images JJ shared, we knew two planets that we were going to like you already described the desert and kind of a, a grass plain land uh, planet. But this one looks totally different than those. Maybe it is one of the, not the desert planet, but uh, that grassy field one or that jungle planet just at night and maybe higher above in the mountains area, but. Um, it did definitely look different than those two, which I was expecting to see in this trailer. So um, regardless of the context, it's definitely a cool looking shot, but definitely makes you think if you're, you know, the possibilities of what it could be when you look at that ship and do those comparisons. So it was definitely had a lot more to it than I originally thought when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hadn't actually read those interviews that you guys were talking about um, where JJ said, like, we're going to get more answers to that story. Um, which makes me just very interested to see how they're going to like what direction they're going to go with that. Um, and I, I mean, I like that he said they're going to honor what happened in episode eight, but then also add more to the story. Cause I think obviously you can't just retcon it. Um, yeah, I guess I, I mean, you, want you could either. say that Kylo was lying, but that kind of seems like a cheap gateway out of it. So mm-hmm. to just add more detail and more explanation and like maybe he was giving Ray, his version of the story, you know, he was kind of twisting it a little bit to try to draw her to his side, or maybe he just didn't have all the facts himself. Um, you know, or I mean, who knows? Maybe he was just making something up on the spot to, he uh, was making something to up to seduce her. So I, um, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, JJ is not going to, he's going to ignore as much as episode eight as possible without being obvious about it. 
Yeah, I don't know. And, we'll see. But I, I mean, know. I'm definitely just interested to see like what kind of new what kind of new spin he puts on it and where they take, especially this particular aspect of the story. No, I agree. I think that I still at this point. I think she's got to be a rando still at this point. I don't think they're going to go back and make her a Han or Leia's kid or a Luke's kid. Yeah. It, that's not ultimately. And this is where, and this is where, again, we're talking about where I think this could be going. This could be where she's important because she's a, is a virgin in the force. And again, we're, we're, I want to save all the, this is all the juicy stuff that I can't wait. I want to wait to the end. So, but at the same time, I'm very intrigued to where that, where it, this is a city of it's very, I'm very intrigued and, and want to know where, where, as far as this shot goes, what exactly it's from. It is very intriguing and interesting mm-hmm. looking. So I, I do think I do like this shot a lot, actually. Yeah, me too. No, it's just a great kind of visual, like a, yeah. C- a brightly lit city kind of up in the mountains at night. Like it's just a cool visual of a new location. Yeah. So. Agreed, agreed. Looking forward to seeing what that's all about. Um, and then we come to one of my favorite shots in the trailer. Um, and this is Kylo Ren out in the for like in a, a forest. Uh, looks like fighting in a battle with the First Order. We see a couple stormtroopers in the background. Um, looks like they're in like a forest or some woodland that's been burned. You know, you see some burning trees on the ground. And... Uh, Kylo just runs up on this guy. We can't tell who it is because f- my first thought when I saw this was, is he fighting the other Knights of Ren? Um, but I think it's it's just as well that this could just be like a random, either a resistance trooper or like a militant guy from some planet that maybe the First Order is trying to occupy. Um and we see Kylo slam his lightsaber into this guy. And at first when I saw it, I thought, I was like, I mean, as much as it looks cool, I was like, oh, well, he's, you know, kind of slamming him with the hilt instead of just slashing him with the blade. But then I realized, of course, he's got that cross guard. So he probably like stabbed the guy like it looks like he's stabbing him with like the side of the cross guard of his lightsaber. Um, But also just like thrusting into him with so much yeah. force that he just like in slow motion, like lifts the guy off the ground and slams him down. Um, as you see, you know, like I said, just kind of the forest burning behind him and the first order stormtroopers shooting at, uh, who knows what, um, but that just looks (laughs) really cool. I'm thinking like, to me, this seems like something that'll probably be early on in the movie. Um, and it'll kind of just show like where Kylo is at or like what the first order has been up to since the events of the last Jedi. And we'll just see, you know, maybe we'll start with Ray or Finn or Poe or somebody. And the first time somebody mentions Kylo or the first order, then we'll cut to this battle scene where the first order is just like occupying this planet. And Kylo is just like going on a frenzy and killing a bunch of people. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot to, analyze in this one and I, I i gotta say that there's there's a lot of misleading things and and because of what kylo is doing and 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 how the guy that he's hitting is dressed all in black and has a, a melee weapon as well it definitely looks like the knights of ren but you can obviously see storm uh first order stormtroopers like going the same direction that kylo ren is going right and so it, it it seems obvious to me that it, it's it's not. And also, I've got a hint that maybe this might be some kind of like flashback or something, not flashback, but something like that because it, it's all red. 
in the background, and we talked about Moraband, things like that. Um, yeah, this is what I would expect the color and atmospheric uh, coloring for Moraband to be, exactly mm-hmm. what this is right here. Because that's what it looked like in the Clone Wars. Yeah. But yeah. It, also, it also reminded me, too, like even a little bit of uh, how, uh, how am I blanking on it? How the Night Sisters planet. Oh, come on. oh Dathomir. Dathomir, yeah. Yeah, okay. you know, it does kind of have a Dathomir look to it. <laughs> No, I'm sorry if I cut you off, Paul. But. <laughs> no, no. And, and so I, I just think that there's there's something more to the scene that meets the eye. And it's not that Kylo is going like this full direction. But um, but yeah, I, I think that there's I, I feel like there's just, there's something more to the scene. Like it's a flashback or it really is a red sky, which is interesting. But I kind of feel it's one or the other. I don't think it's just, I, I think it potentially is some kind of like. We've seen him, you know, or, or like maybe they go and and Kylo Ren's already been there, but like beats the resistance to them. And he's already like raided the planet and, and they talk about him. And when they talk about him, it's like just like how Luke's flashback with Kylo Ren, how we've kind of established we can have flashbacks a little bit in the Star mm-hmm. Wars now. That this, that's what it is. It's their, them talking and it shows him attacking the villagers or whatever and without the helmet. Because that's the other thing, too. We know the helmet, obviously, as we saw the next scene, it plays a big part. What it, How and what exactly it does, we don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, that's kind of what I, I'm thinking, that this is them flashing back and thinking and talking about him raiding a planet maybe not so long ago, like maybe a year before or a decent amount of time before he puts on that helmet again. Yeah. Well, and that's another reason why I think this might just be like the first time we see Kylo in the movie and whatever he's doing on this planet. Like, I don't know, maybe he'll meet somebody or something happens to him um, that makes him want to put the helmet back on. Um, or maybe somebody recognizes him or something like that. Or maybe this is just kind of where they want to start the story off. And then later on, we'll see him, um, you know, just rebuilding that helmet. Um, and it'll be like a similar kind of scene to like when he's talking to the Vader helmet in the force awakens and stuff like that. Um, but regardless, uh, it was really cool. I mean, just the, the way this shot looks and the lighting and the color and everything. And then just the beat down that he puts on this guy. Um, looks awesome. And I think as much as we're going to talk about Ray and Luke and uh, the Skywalker lineage and whatnot, um, I think Kylo is still my most anticipated character for this movie. I can't wait to see uh, what direction they're going to take him and how they're going to wrap up his story arc and how he's going to play into it uh, when there is an even bigger villain that obviously we'll get to at the end. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the context of this scene, I mean, you guys brought up some great points. And at first, too, I thought maybe he was taking down the Knights of Ren and what that can mean from a story standpoint, where um, once we kind of realize they're going to be in it, I assume you know they'd be working with Kylo. But it would be interesting if they're actually opposing him or maybe he feels he has to take them all out to achieve his ultimate goal. But um, regardless of all that, I just think this looks like a really cool action sequence and one that kind of shot up as far as uh, what I'm really most anticipating to see in the movie, just because of the visual of it, the red skyline. I think it looks awesome. And just seeing Kylo in a battle with, you know, the first order and stormtroopers, because that is something I've been wanting to see. Even with Darth Vader, we see him enter rooms with stormtroopers, but he never actually goes into battle with them. Especially like an empire strikes back. He's walking Mm. with them, but they're the ones who are doing all the firing and trying to stop the rebels. And in Rogue One, he was just by himself. 
But to see, you know, someone with a lightsaber, the leader of this of the first order, go into battle with them with, you know, sharing in the all the action, taking their enemies out. I think it could be really cool to see. The only thing I wish was uh, one thing I wish it had was that he had his helmet on here because that's the one thing I've said this before, how I'm really hoping we get an action sequence or a lightsaber fight with Kylo in his awesome helmet because that would look really cool visually. But yeah. this scene, I mean, hopefully it's a, a longer action sequence. I hope it's not like a really quick one, kind of what you were saying, Kyle, where maybe this is our first introduction to Kylo in the rise of Skywalker. And it's just a really quick action scene before we get to, you know, some explanation for what he's doing, what he's been up to and all that, because um, it's seems like a, a section of the movie. I would like to spend a good amount of time in, you know, not a, whole act or anything but just for an action sequence it looks like one that could be really cool for star wars just for all the reasons i've mentioned here so i'm really excited about this one this was another shot from the trailer that took me by surprise i think oh man this is really different but yet really cool and can't wait to see more of it yeah for sure um and then if we move on to the next shot where of course we see uh kylo kind of soldering the broken pieces of his helmet together um well i don't think that's kylo oh you don't think so no, if you pause it, when you see the hands working on it, it's definitely alien to me. Because it's almost like it has fur on his hands, and the coloring of it are different. I don't think that's Kylo there. Oh, you know what? You're right. I hadn't noticed that before. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, right. I just, I mean, because it's still kind of dark, and I assumed it was just him wearing his gloves. But yeah, you're right. That is definitely like werewolf hands or something. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, who knows? Maybe that's just showing that Kylo can't do everything. And uh, well, he, he needed to have somebody else come in and do it for him. Or do we think, well, I mean, you don't think somebody else is going to like repair the helmet and use it instead of him, do you? No, what I what I think it is, is that he probably has someone. He, he obviously has a very particular fondness to that specific helmet. Yeah. And I think that there's and that's why he wants them to get every little piece and merge it back together the best they can. And it's, what's going to be cool about it is that we're going to have a reason for that. There's probably a story reason. Otherwise it would just give him a brand new helmet and that'd be it. Yeah. You know, but, here's, here's a theory. What if that's one of the other Knights of Ren? Ah, and what ah. if we, what if we start off the movie with Kylo just by himself, you know, leading the first order. And as we've heard in some of the rumors and stuff, like maybe the Knights of Ren have been off on a mission this whole time and they finally come back and we find out what they've been up to and Kylo is finally, you know, he's thinking like, okay, now I'm ready to like rejoin my group here. And, you know, obviously still be part of the first order as well, but be, you know, kind of like take up that mantle once again of like being the leader of the Knights of Ren. And so he wants to put that helmet back together just so he can kind of be the leader of like this whole group where, you know, obviously they've all got their, their masks and their armor and everything. So, um yeah i think that could be and then maybe one of the other knights of ren just happens to be good with you know machines or whatever and uh pieces that back together for him yeah i I think it's possible i think the helmet and and for those who know kyle and i we and and tim too i'd throw them in there uh throw you in there too tim is that we all want the helmet back I, i think there was a big mistake on ryan johnson's part to get rid of that i think semi-iconic mask that Kylo Ren has. I mean, that mask was all over the the advertising for The Force Awakens, and it's, one I think, one of the best designs, costume designs in the Disney era. 
and he did away with it. And I knew we, I know why he decided to do that, but it just didn't, it just didn't sit well with me because I love costumes and masks. I, I, I will admit I'm a little biased, but I felt it just, it felt hollow the way that, I never liked the fact that Snoke just said once, take that ridiculous mask off. It's only now that I, it bothers me. Take it off. Ugh. It's like, wait a minute. So you, this guy basically runs a mercenary, as far as we know, or whatever, melee weapon, armored up, mask wearing band of whatever. And you train this guy with a mask, whatever, and now you have a problem with it? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And well, so, I th- he I was, he was, the reason that I he was know, giving him the, crap for yeah. it then was because he had failed with Ray. And yeah. so he was trying but to get what? Kylo to move on from, he's like, okay, obviously the whole following Invader's footsteps thing isn't working for you. Like you need to break out on your own and try a new approach. But he, it, it's only, it only came to Snoke then. I mean, come on. It's just, I don't know. I, I just. We're, we're getting a preview of our episode eight commentary yeah, right now. <laughs> that's good. I'll stop. But I, but again, what I love about it is that this is where, again, this is where I think JJ is going to be like, okay, Ryan, you did your thing. I'm going back to mine. And he, he just, and, he, and to me, the identity of Kylo Ren is he's wrapped up with Darth Vader. Now, we don't know why. But what this is why I find fascinating. Again, what does it mean? What does that helmet mean? I think it means a bunch of different things. And I think the fact that he gets it resoldered or whatever is a huge indication of what he feels, what he needs to do as Kylo Ren. And again, is is this a tie to the Emperor? I mean, we don't know what the Emperor's role in, in this movie is and how he's manipulating things. But what if he's the one? We'll get to this in a second, but I think there there might be some there might be something with this whole mask and emperor and the Knights of Ren. They're they're obviously connected in some capacity. We just don't know how or what, but we'll see. And I'm very I'm very interested in what they're gonna do. But yeah, I don't think that this is a. I think it's a big big story moment that he puts the helmet back on. And I think also Tim or Kyle what you're saying about how the Knights of Ren could get him back into that, that could very well happen. And I'd be all about that. That would make mm-hmm. a lot of sense. So. I would actually prefer that cuz I know you and I differ a little bit on the whole helmet thing. I absolutely love uh. the look of it and I thought it was awesome in The Force Awakens, but I do think it was good character development in The Last Jedi for him to leave that behind. Um, especially when, you know, his whole kind of mantra to Ray in that movie was like, let the past die and kill it if you have to. Um, and Snoke is really kind of pushing him to like be your own person and stop trying to just imitate Vader. Um, and so I kind of like what he goes through in that movie. And so, and you know, when we first found out that, that he was going to be coming back with the mask again, in episode nine, I was kind of on the fence about it because as much as I love the mask, like from a visual standpoint, from a character standpoint, it didn't really make sense for him to just regress to, back to that to me. Um, and so I think if his motivation for it in episode nine for bringing it back is more tied to the Knights of Ren and the sort of his identity with that group that the mask represents rather than just, oh, I want my Vader helmet back so I can be like granddad again. Um I think it would be a lot stronger motivation for it to have, you know, to be tied to the Knights of Ren and uh, him taking up kind of a new identity with that group. 
But I think that that's, and I think that's the whole thing. I always assumed that he was a part of that group and that's where his, his mask kind of originated from. Well, right. And I I mean, not that he ever necessarily stopped being part of the group, but like, where have they been? We don't know. So whatever is just, I hope that the movie just explains a lot more about who the Knights of Ren are, how the group started, uh, what's Kylo's position within the group. I mean, we know Snoke said he's the leader of the Knights of Ren, but like just kind of what's his history with them and uh, have the mask be part of that. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah. But I, 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 I think the mask is, is, is going to be a, a play a bigger role. It's, it's obviously in the elite poster. It's, it's there. Like it's part of the marketing. So I'm, I'm really excited. I don't think he's going to have it on very, very long, but it's, I'm glad that it's, it's going to make a short comeback because I think it's a beautiful design. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, and I think it'd be all the toy boxes again for all the episode nine stuff. Yeah, and I think it definitely still looks cool with the uh, that red kind of crystal or whatever holding it all together. Yeah, and just Um, uh, as we were talking about when we got to the scene with the new creature who's reforging it and all that, and I really didn't think about it. You mentioned it, Kyle, about maybe that is a member of the Knights of Ren. Maybe it's you know <laughs> the one who's in charge of you know making weapons, forging helmets, and creating their armor and all that stuff. But if it is alien, I think it would be cool if there are different alien species who make up the Knights of Ren, where it's not just a bunch of humans under those uh, costumes and masks. I think that could be pretty cool. We well, we don't know if we'll even see them without their helmets on, but I think it would be kind of neat in something different where there's this multiple different species that are making up the group that are that are the nice of Ren, kind of like how the Jedi were um, back in the day. So we'll find out. But you made me think about that when she said um, possibly this person reforging the helmet could be one of the Knights of Ren, and we know it's going to be an alien creature. So mm-hmm. that was found that to be pretty interesting, and we'll see if it gets played out when we meet the Knights of Ren in the film. Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility because we don't know enough about them at this point to say they're all supposed to be human or anything like exactly. that. Um, and then, so the next shot is just, uh, Finn and Poe standing on what looks like probably the same desert planet that Ray is on at the beginning. Um, and it's gotta be, (laughs) yeah. And you know, Poe's off in the background standing up on this kind of almost Geonosis looking spire. Yeah. I thought Um, that too. And then Finn's in the foreground and actually is holding Ray's staff, which again, I'm surprised that like, she's still got the lightsaber. She's still got the blaster. Like, why does she need the staff again? I wonder if it's just a personal preference thing or if she's actually going to, um, you know, have some sort of use for that in the movie or if it's going to play into the story at all. Another thing I was thinking about too, regarding all the different weapons she's having, the staff, Hans blaster, maybe for most of the movie, she's reluctant to use the lightsaber again. Maybe uh, the reason maybe she doesn't feel she can carry on the burden of the legacy of all the Jedi and everything that Luke was saying in the beginning of this trailer and maybe she is kind of relying more on her previous weapons, the staff and the blaster. And maybe it's not until that moment we see in the trailer and how it kicks off where I'm assuming that is, you know, one of the final sequences of the movie. Maybe she doesn't use it until the very end. And it becomes another big moment for her, kind of like harkening back to The Force Awakens when she pulled it out of the snow and used it to fight Kylo for the first time. Maybe that'll be a call, kind of a callback to that and the whole different times story narratives rhymes with the Star Wars movie. So uh, that kind of made me think of her having all these weapons stuff the course of the movie. Maybe the last one she will use is the actual, you know, legacy Skywalker lightsaber there. Yeah, maybe. Um, 
And then we cut from that to uh, BB-8 with his new little droid buddy, Dio. Um, and like, I just kind of noticed... about the design of him. Wait, what did you say? No, how are you guys feeling about the design of Dio? Eh, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I don't yeah. love it only because it's so simplistic. Like, he doesn't have a lot of features to him. Um, yeah. You know simplistic. what he reminds me of? They, I know they said his design was kind of based off of like a duck, but it kind of looks like if they made like a Star Wars droid version of the, the lamp that jumps on the eye on the Pixar movies. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope he has a fun role in the story. Like, just visually, he doesn't do a whole lot for me. But I definitely think, you know, obviously there's still room um, for them to have some fun with that. As you forgot character. about Poe and, and Finn. No, that's how we got what? the topic. No, that's what staff. we were just talking about. We were talking about the lamp. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Poe and Finn, you're talking about the droids now, I thought. Dio. Yeah, we, yeah, just, we just talked, talked about, about Poe and Finn. Oh, my bad. Can you <laughs> step away for a sec? Uh, no, I just I thought you guys supposed to just glanced well, over. It. Yeah, we, we didn't talk off, about it a whole lot, but there's like nothing going on in that about, scene. Yeah, I went off about the whole thing of you know Finn holding Ray's staff and why the staff is still oh, there. Oh, that's right. Okay. About, I'm, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. It's okay. No, Paul's got uh, con brain fog. I do. I do. <laughs> as far as far as deal as deal goes, um, I I yeah, he came out. I was like, eh. He wasn't. He seemed like a very lazy droid design. He literally looks like a a lamp a lampshade, like a office lamp that you would have, and you just turn on, and it has a wheel on it. It doesn't seem very complex or interesting, and I really don't care about it. And I hope he doesn't have he or she or whatever the heck it is doesn't have a big role because, yeah, I just don't feel it. Yeah, and I'm just thinking too. I mean, I don't necessarily hate it, but I don't think it's great either. But to me, I just think. You know, whatever purpose BB-8 having more time with another droid could serve, why can't it just be R2? Because yeah. <laughs> I think it would be awesome for BB-8 and R2 to do more together. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to see that. I think, you know, R2 is like, as much as he's kind of been around forever and can kind of almost do anything, like obviously he seems like, I mean, they've kind of turned him into like an old grandpa in this movie, in, in the <laughs> new trilogy. Like he, he was shut down for almost all of The Force Awakens. Um, and then really all he did in The Last Jedi was, uh, you know, he talked to Luke and showed him the hologram of Leia to kind of give him that nudge to help Rey. Um, and then at the end, of course, Rey is using R2 to help find uh, the resistance with that tracker beacon. Um, yeah. And there's... But yeah, I mean, I, I hope we still get to see some of R2 at the end of the or, you know, in this movie, too, with it being the end of the saga and everything. And he's still around. So, um, yeah, there is a great issue of the Poe Dameron comic where it's just. R2 and BB-8 talking with each other, sharing, you know, memories and the kind of BB-8 catching R2 up of what happened since he's during the events of The Force Awakens and R2 kind of references stuff he's been through throughout the course of the original trilogy. It was just really great because throughout the comic, you don't know who's talking and then it gets revealed at the end that is BB-8 and R2. It oh, was just nice. really cool. And just seeing him compare war stories. And Wait, so that has that me... comic like gone past The Last Jedi now? Yeah, there, there there was a series towards the end of the comic, Kyle. It definitely got uh, it definitely got like a little past Last Jedi, but not much. Like maybe like oh, an okay. hour afterwards. It pretty much showed them on the Falcon after they left Crate. Oh, like, okay, gotcha. 
So, well, but still, it was I, such a... to... I, I was going to say, I might have to check that out at some point. I say that about every comic you guys talk about, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's on my list after Vader and age of Republic and all that good stuff. Yeah. It just made me think, you know, it was a cool bonding moment for BB eight and R2 and something I would want to see more of. So, you know, maybe we'll, we will get more R2 and BB eight in the film, but it's something I'm still wishing for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, moving on from that, we see uh, Lando and Chewie in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon again. So um, cool. Which, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great just, moment. Yeah. And it's nice to see because I was I was wondering what Lando's role was going to be in this movie. Like, were they just going to have to go visit him for, you know, advice or were they going to need something mm-hmm. from him or whatever? Um, and so it's nice to see that uh, Lando's not just going to be a cameo or he's not just going to be kind of like a stop on their journey. Um, but that he is actually, uh, at least for part of the movie, going to be flying the Falcon along with Chewie. And I assume because, you know, especially with JJ talking about how this is like a big group adventure. Um, I don't know if maybe Lando is kind of just taking up the duties of flying the Falcon and him and Chewie are going to be taking everybody else where they need to go. Um, or if they're off kind of on a, a mission of their own to find something. But, um, regardless, I mean, it seems like, you know, if, if Lando and Chewie are, in the Falcon jumping into hyperspace, like it's going to be um, them going somewhere or doing something that relates to the main storyline. And so um, I'll be interested to see how Lando plays into all this and uh, him getting to join the adventure again. If I may, uh, for some reason, this kind of reminds you of a good point that is this going to be the longest star Wars movie ever, even longer than the last Jedi. Yeah, I hope so. Possibly. <laughs> I, I'd be okay I, I, with it. I, I, we all know Last Jedi. Last Jedi with all its faults, and it definitely has slowdown moments. It definitely flows by pretty fast. I, I'll give her credit. It has a good pace to it, even though I don't love everything out of the Last Jedi. And, and, and again, I don't hate Last Jedi. I just have some serious problems with certain things. But the pacing itself isn't terrible, and it goes by pretty quick. And with Endgame kind of having like this, you know, Avengers Endgame being almost three hours long. You would think the end of a saga of nine films of with 40 years in the making, they take their time and leave in possibly as much stuff and, and really have a lean story but still have a lot going on, if that makes any sense. I wonder if it's going to be a, a longer film. And I, because of all these different things they're, they're doing from all you're hearing with with Lando and Chewie and, and, and whatnot, like there's – it just see with, with introducing reintroducing the emperor with the knights of friend with Kylo getting his helmet and like not having his helmet and like like I keep thinking of all these different things I'm like man there's a this movie's gonna have a lot going on and I started thinking I think this is gonna be a long movie like I think it's gonna be like the longer than Last Jedi it's gonna be close to three hours almost like an Endgame if you will I would be one hundred percent okay with that. Same here. Yep. I think it's what it deserves, what the saga deserves to end on and be as long as you need to be. I mean, don't pad it out to where you're trying to hit that three hour mark. But if you feel the story you have to tell needs to be told in three hours, I mean, do it. I hope they don't feel like, you know, we got to, you know, cut it off at like a two hours, 20 minute mark or a two and a half hour because we don't want people to get, you know, tired or have the movie feel like it's dragging. I mean, a well paced three hour movie can go by like that. So I really hope that that's the case. I think that would be awesome to have a three-hour Star Wars movie. But um, real quick on the Lando and Chewie shot, I do like the fact that it is just Lando and Chewie and the Falcon. Part of me thought, when you know, was a little worried that, uh, you know, capture that Return of the Jedi feel again, that they'd 
throw Neonum in the, <laughs> the Falcon co-pilot chair with Lando just mm-hmm. to give a wink to that movie. But now nah, it's got to be Chewie. I'm glad it is. And this makes me think that maybe we can get some cool, you know, references to Han or maybe even the film Solo thinking about the first time they flew it together and that adventure or just regardless, they don't reference that film or not. I think there's going to be a nice moment between Lando and Chewie here giving you know, a nice moment for Han, like where they remember him, pay their respects, or Lando paying his respects to Han in the Falcon pilot seat. I think it's going to be a great moment seeing Han, Lando in the Falcon with Chewie. It's just so cool. So that was a really cool surprise to get in this trailer. We knew Lando was going to be in it, but I wasn't expecting to fly the Falcon, to be honest. So that was really cool to see and having to be with Chewie. It's going to be an awesome moment. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun, just that quick shot. And like you said, even though we knew he was going to be in it, um, somehow just seeing him in the trailer, like in the movie was still kind of a surprise and it was fun. So I like that. Um, and then of course it says the saga comes to an end and we see Mm. more stuff from that desert planet of, it looks like a bunch of speeders. Um, and stormtroopers on jetpacks. Yeah. Oh, you know what? On, on mini speeders. Let me see. To me, it looks more like jetpacks. It was like broomsticks, to be honest. Oh, you're right. Well, you know what? There's one, you know, I, I, this is the first time that I've kind of slowed this down and looked at it like shot by shot. Like I've watched the trailer a few times, but like this scene in particular, I didn't really like slow down to try to see what was going on. Um, I mean, it looks like they're flying kind of through some kind of canyon on this desert planet. Obviously you've got some like spire, almost like moisture evaporator kind of things sticking up in the ground. Um, and it looks like, I mean, in the front, there's definitely like some kind of speeder or like, uh, skiff looking thing, um, that I think in a later shot we see, it looks like is probably what Finn and Poe are on. Um, and then it looks like there's a a trooper that's closer to the ground that maybe is on like a speeder bike, but then it definitely looks like there is one on the, one in the air on a jetpack too. Or a couple of them that come looking like they're on jetpacks. I just assumed the first time I watched that, they almost looked like uh, little like speeder pods or something. But no, they definitely look like troopers on jetpacks. And then it cuts right from that to uh, Poe and Finn and uh, 3PO on like a little, uh, you know, their little speeder or whatever. getting shot at and of course there's like a big green laser blast which makes me think that maybe it's a tie fighter like maybe there's a tie fighter shooting at them too um even though we didn't see it in that previous shot um but this looks like it'll be a pretty fun little like adventure sequence yeah this is looks really cool just seeing this short glimpse of it in the trailer i mean um it's going to be a chase and but it looks like another different kind of chase we haven't seen in a Star Wars movie before, which is all I really <laughs> want to see as far as it comes to action sequences, stuff, new takes on, you know, classic action sequences that we've seen before. So, yeah, like I said, jetpacks, troopers, which look really cool, which we haven't really seen before in a Star Wars movie as far as being in action. And, you know, just the fact that they're on this, you know, to me, it does have that skiff feel, like you were mentioning from that we saw in Return of the Jedi and the starlight pit but um, it looks like there'd be some crazy action and that shot with poe finn and 3po i think this is where we're gonna see all the that poster image of 3po with all those weapons and chewie's bowcaster i think this is where we're gonna see it in action because it can't see everything that's on the speeder here but it looks like there's multiple weapons that maybe you can grab it to me i just picture 
post saying like three PO just stand there, grab something and help, like <laughs> take down these troopers. And he maybe picks up these different kinds of weapons and tries firing them and it doesn't work. And then he gets to the blaster and he tries firing that. But with three PO in the middle of this action right here, to me, that's what I thought of when I saw this. Oh, this is probably gonna be the moment where we see uh, 3PO with that bowcaster and those weapons we saw him with the poster. So that's what I thought of when I saw this, where that 3PO might uh, get his big action moment right here. I, I think this is a great-looking scene. I'm really excited to see this. This, to me, I, for whatever reason, the Jakku part is always my favorite Force Awakens. You know, I, I, I adore that first 40 minutes. And when we do our commentary, I'll go more into it. But it just felt like Star Wars. This looks like Star Wars. Yeah. Seeing them mm -hmm. on a skiff right here, I mean... See, I, I just think if Streepio holding on to some gun thing, whatever that's he's holding on to, and Finn and Poe and and that thing sparking behind him, it just feels like Star Wars. I'm like, yes, this is Star Wars right here. This beat down skiff thing, being chased by these troopers. Give me more of this, and I I just love this. This to me screams Star Wars, and I'm I can't wait to see this thing a whole this whole thing. And I also wonder what if. The first order's on this planet, and their whole role is to is to get the first order away from Ray, so Kylo Ren will go after Ray by himself. Mm. Yeah, I, I can started, totally see that playing out. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's what they're doing. So, it's interesting. And again, I don't know if this, this could be the end of the movie right here. I don't know, but it it all remains to be seen. But um, but yeah, I. I definitely feel like that, that is a possibility of what they're doing. And it's just like, I love this look. And by the way, I, I I've said this before. Uh, I, I wanted to mention it when we were talking about Poe and, and, and Finn earlier, but I missed it. But you see a little <laughs> more of Finn's costume. I'm in, I'm in love with both their costumes. Mm -hmm. I think they're, I, I, I never been a fan of Poe Dameron's costume from the last Jedi. Uh, it's fine. I mean, it's fine for Force Awakens. I think you're establishing the characters, and I think it works for Finn. I've always liked Finn's look too, with the jacket. I actually like the the Resistance jackets, but this is like, yeah, this looks Star Wars to me. Like they have really cool outfits, and I love the blue pants that Finn's wearing. It's a great, great outfit, and I can't wait to get these action figures, man. Like I'm, you know, I had no interest in getting Poe or Finn or anyone else, uh, really, from that work besides Ray. Uh, in the Last Jedi action figure series, there was no one really besides Ray, and not even well. I wanted Luke, but I got the Elite series because Luke looked terrible at that time with those awful uh, Hasbro faces. <laughs> They're now way better. They're way better now, and he'll. And it's going to look amazing. But I actually really like my Elite version one, um, which I've gone on record saying it's great, um, and I still think it's great. Uh, that being said. Yeah, I really like what um, I really like what these new outfits. Everyone, you know, with the exception of, of you know Ray, but even Ray, I think it looks okay. Um, I love everyone else's outfits; and they look fantastic, and I think they look Star Wars to me. So, I'll be definitely purchasing the Black Series figures, probably for both these, at least for Finn, at least. Yeah, no, they both definitely uh, do have some great looks, and I like how you know John Boyega was saying on the panel too that this is the first time that Finn has kind of had like a costume that's like just his, you know, like in force awakens, he was just wearing the stormtrooper outfit. And in uh last Jedi, he was kind of just wearing the resistance outfit, but this is going to be like sort of a more iconic, like that's Finn's costume right there. So, uh, yeah, that'll be cool to see. Um, 
But then moving on from that, we've got what looks like just a brief shot of maybe a cool aerial battle where you see like an A-wing getting shot down and uh, it's spiraling down past. It's hard to tell if it's like a building or a capital ship, but... Uh, it looks like a Star Destroyer. Yeah, I was going to say it does kind of look like a Star Destroyer, but um, you can kind of see like a, a sun and some clouds in the background. And so it looks like maybe this will be um, like an in-atmosphere battle over a planet rather than... Uh, you know, rather than a space battle. Um, but a pretty cool visual there just from the very brief glimpse that we get. Yeah. Um, were, you, were you a little disappointed, Paul, that it wasn't a Y-Wing, though? <laughs> well, no, I wasn't disappointed at all because it's going down. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, oh, it's getting true. shot down. He wouldn't want to see that. That's true. <laughs> um, and then a really cool shot after that of uh, a pair of hands that I can only assume are Leia's, but we don't know for sure um holding one of the medals from the battle of yavin um and so that's going to be a nice throwback to the original films and uh you know probably a nice nod to um either luke or han or both uh maybe you know as leia's remembering them and looking at this uh memento of uh you know their big first victory together yeah this was cool but i i I got a theory about it, which plays into the last shot of the trailer. So I'll go back to this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Paul, anything? Yeah, not really. It's, I, I, I kind of, I'm just kind of whatever it could be. It's probably Leia's hands. And, and, but as far as the metal goes, I have no like real like indication of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any big theories tied to it or anything. I just thought it was, uh, you know, nice to see that again. Um, and then of course, moving on to the next shot, um, you know, the emotional one where we see Ray hugging Leia. Um, and it's, uh, it's interesting because again, we know that obviously this is from some footage that, uh, they cut from the force awakens. Um, and it even kind of looks like they're on like a, uh, maybe more of like a jungle planet. And so I wonder, like, did they film this on the planet that was supposed to be Dakar uh, you know, where the resistance base was like from the force awakens, is this just an alternate take of that? Um, at the same time though, I mean, there's a lot of like manipulation that's going on here because Ray is in her outfit from this movie. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm already assuming that like whatever planet they're on in this movie, you know, they could have just cut Leia out of the footage from wherever they filmed her initially and just, you know, put in a different background for this. Um, and obviously this is just a quick glimpse here. Uh, but I mean, it looks seamless. Like it kind of only just dawned on me. I was thinking like, you know, this could be an actual shot that they filmed of like Ray hugging Leia. But then I was like, wait, no, this is like Ray from this movie though. And so however they did this, um, you know, obviously from the back, it could just be like Daisy Ridley hugging a stunt double. But, um, even that first shot where you see kind of over Ray's shoulder and you see Leia's face, like it doesn't look you know, oddly edited or anything like that. Um, yeah, not at all. It does look seamless. And I was just thinking the same thing as far as, you know, looking at Ray's outfit, just, you know, the editing wizardry that <laughs> they would have to go through to make this all look seamless because you're right. I mean, whether they just kind of did a cut and paste thing with Ray shooting a scene with her, but and putting Carrie Fisher's performance for the first awakens with Ray, maybe, or Daisy Ridley acting with, uh, performance like a double in this moment just to get uh the 
capture of her embracing and hugging someone, then putting Carrie Fisher's performance from The Force Awakens in there. So, I mean, whatever techniques they're using, it looks great, though, because you can't tell at all that, you know, it's probably two different, completely different scenes filmed during different periods of time, and it just looks seamless and great. And just a great moment in the trailer to showcase, you know, Carrie Fisher's last time we're going to see her as Leia and hugging Ray, and just the emotion she has on her face as Ray is crying as she's hugging Leia. So just a great moment to put in the trailer. It was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I think this could be another dream sequence. Really? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Because- I think... Go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say continue because <laughs> I'm intrigued. Well, the reason why is I think – I don't think they're going to kill – I think they're going to kill her off off screen. I mean I think by the time we pick up, there there's going to be a – there's going to be like mentioning of, of, of General Leia passing away or, or, or dying in battle in a great battle that they're going to have in a, either a comic or a book or something like that. And whatever the scene is, again, look at the look at the background. Just like Kylo Ren has that red background, this has a very bright background around it. And I wonder if this is her talking to the Skywalkers, saying we pass on everything we know. What if this is her saying goodbye to Leia, and of some of some sort? So, and again, what if she's a solo? Oh God, I would. <laughs> but no, I don't think I don't think so. But but at the same time. I think I think this is not meant to be in a real world. I think this is meant to be a dream sequence or a force vision of some kind. That's my that's my take. Because look at the background; it's very, very, very light. Well, it could still be a dream sequence or a force vision because, but it is on a planet. That I think we're going to see a lot of the resistance on because mm-hmm. I remember in the panel where they were showing just the stills. Of from production of the movie, I think we did see a shot where they're on like this jungle planet where we see the Falcon there or maybe Ray or Finn and Poe together. But we did see that background before, where you know it could be that Leia's with him too, or it could just be you know at night and Ray is having a dream. But because she's on this planet, she's seeing Leia in the surroundings that on the planet she's on. So that could still be the case. But um, I don't know, I haven't really thought about that as far as it being a dream sequence because I do think we are going to see Leia with these characters, um, you know, after the events of The Last Jedi. And I do think that she might get killed off screen too in this movie, but it, you know, we might have seen her one last time before she does die. This could be that moment right here where Ray is saying goodbye, but I don't know what the emotional, but the emotion that Ray is showing here, her being in tears, I don't know. You make a good point, Paul, where it could be some, <laughs> where it is a force vision. Maybe, she doesn't hear what she wanted to hear from Force Ghost Luke or any other Force Ghost, but then she has another vision where it's Leia kind of giving her that last pep talk and what she needs to hear to go, you know, face that final fight. So I don't know. I never really thought about it, but now that you mentioned it and I'm thinking about it, you never know. It could be something that they go with. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just don't, because Star Wars has never relied too heavily on like visions and flashbacks and stuff like that. Like, I just don't want to default to assume like, Oh, well, you know, maybe it's that it definitely could be, but we've already talked about like another handful of, of shots in this trailer that could be something like that. Um, and I'm just like, I don't want everything to be in a flashback um, or for there to be, you know, just a whole bunch of well, force visions. Well, I do. But, I mean, for, <laughs> for Leia, it definitely could be possible, though. I assumed coming into this that maybe they were just going to have her die off screen before they said that, you know, they were using old footage of Carrie Fisher and stuff. And so, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, either way, I think this is going to be like obviously kind of the final farewell uh, between Ray and Leia, and it's going to be you know really emotional scene. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm just I'm I'm really intrigued to see how they pull it off and kind of what her role in the story is going to be and just how they edit that all together, um, and uh, you know just kind of make it a hopefully a fitting conclusion for that character. Yeah. Um, and then of course, while we're seeing that we hear Luke's voice again and he says, we'll always be with you. Um, and then we cut to the next shot and it's Ray and, uh, Finn and Poe. And then you got the droids and Chewie behind them. And, uh, they're on what looks like a new planet that we haven't seen yet in the trailer. Well, um, poss- possibly, about- possibly, mm-hmm. possibly, yeah. <laughs> um, at least we haven't seen them in this location yet, but they're walking, uh, kind of over this grassy hill and then the camera cuts and we see over their shoulder and what they're looking at and it, they're standing on a cliff there's a big ocean stretched out in front of them and you see big waves crashing up against this cliff and off in the distance is the wreckage of the death star um the star too is it though is it though yes. like <laughs> yes well here's the, that's what i would assume and and we don't know what planet this is, but my guess actually, so you know how the, uh, how Endor is the forest moon of Endor. That is correct. So what if they're on the planet that Endor is on, is the moon of? Yeah. Because, because mm. don't we I'm, see, I, I could be wrong, but don't, do we actually see Endor orbiting another planet? Or am I thinking I, of just the death star? No, I, I think above, you're right. Whatever above Endor. So I've always thought of Endor is the forest moon, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's so it's, um, so I guess, you know, I don't know. That's good. I, I, I guess, you know, it could also be somewhere on Yavin four though. That's another one I was thinking. Possibly. Because, um, I, cause it doesn't look like Endor to me at all. I mean, this no. again, going back to what we we're talking about at the beginning with the desert planet, maybe this is just another section of Endor that we haven't seen before, but it doesn't feel like Endor. But um, I think I could definitely see in it being, you know, in around the forest moon of Endor being the planet, like you said, but somewhere that debris of the Death Star 2 could have fallen to other than the moon of Endor. So I could definitely see that. But Yavin was another possibility. I think the planet landscape is something that could be Yavin. And going back to that shot of the metal um, that we assume is Leia holding Mm. from A New Hope. That made me think of maybe this is actually Yavin because for whatever reason, maybe um, they weren't able to take the medals with them. They were rushed to escape the Empire before going back to Yavin and finding the rebel base there. After they blew up the Death Star, they were just in a rush to get off of that, that they had to leave the medals behind or one of them had to leave a medal behind. And then because they're on Yavin, maybe Leia goes back to the rebel base there and just sees that medal there and reminisces about maybe it's Han or Luke's. So that scene going with this one made me think that maybe this could be Yavin. But we know the significance of the Death Star 2 and his connection to Palpatine, which makes me believe that, you know, it could be the Death Star 2 and maybe a stronger possibility, but that's that that is the case. So to be honest right now, I don't know exactly which one I'm leaning towards more <laughs> because having it be Death Star 2 and it's connected to Palpatine makes a whole lot of sense. But visually, from what I'm seeing, it makes me think that Yavin 4 can be a possibility, too. So 
right now I'm just kind of split down the middle of not <laughs> knowing for sure what exactly that location is going to be. But that shot is awesome, though. I uh, yeah, it, the one definitely <laughs> is. The one, the reason why I think it might be Endor, like actually where the Ewoks are, is there's a couple things. Now, I know we all know the Emperor is the next scene's the Emperor. So let's just kind of cut to the chase and kind of combine those two things together right here. Cause it kind of has a joint. Because my point's going to be. Way to spoil right the in, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, which I wanted to also tell a story about, about seeing that with the crowd for the first time um in my in my impact when we get there as well uh but anyway the reason why i think this is interesting is and i think this could be and or a number of different reasons i'll start with the first one where the stills that we got from the from the panel before there's all it doesn't look like a jungle to me it looks like a forest as okay. far as as far as that goes, like if you look at the scene with her or the scene, the, the still from the panel, and I've been looking at that. Little reasons why I was distracted talking about Finn, Finn, and, uh, Finn and Poe earlier is because I was looking at the panel pictures, trying to analyze those for a minute. So that's why I, I, I missed that, uh, just for the record. Uh, but as I looked at that, it doesn't look like a jungle. If you look at the, the stills, it looks like a forest, more, at least in my opinion. And if you and we all know from and I hate to bring up the Ewok films, the Ewok films. <laughs> you should have, hate to bring those up. <laughs> no, no one else likes them, but me it seems like. But <laughs> you um, and, and yeah, and, and Dave. <laughs> so when I bring those up, or I look at those films, there it has a different landscape. It's very much like a regular Earth like landscape as That's far as very you true. You're right. So yeah. the way I look at it as like we all know that the the, the Death Star blew up. And and all the Ewoks saw it in Return of the Jedi. It's right above them, so it only makes sense that this stuff would fall down on their planet because they see it. There's an explosion right in front of their mm -hmm. faces. So I don't. And very well, it's very well it could be a different moon of of Endor or whatever. But I think it is because of all the scenes we've got. Now I have a couple different reasons why I think it is that same planet, because it would. This would make sense on a lot of a lot of different levels. Okay, one. Death Star 2. We're, we have a Death Star sitting right in front of us. We all know Palpatine is back in this movie. Now, Sam, you've listened to that interview I did for Blaster Cannon uh, live TV thing. And I'm mm -hmm. going to go ahead and say this. The essence of the Emperor is on that Death Star. And that's how, and this is how he's he's staying alive and staying prevalent in the story. Because we all, as we know in the comic books, Lord Momin, Momin, whatever you want to call him, from the Lando and the Darth Vader comics that Charles Soule has written, and as I've been pounding the table for you all listeners to read it, read those comic books. They're fantastic. But there's also, I think, greater things in there that we are, are maybe overlooking. And one of them is – and not just in, in, that, in that comic book series, but actually in Tarkin novel as well, we, uh, this is established that the dark side corrupts living things like living like physical objects and it can manifest itself in there like how the dark side the sith shrine was underneath the jedi temple the jedi the sith shrine itself corrupted the whole jedi temple that helped cloud and confuse these smart jedi like mace windu and make him go, why is the Chancellor have a bunch of dark side stuff around him? The dark side, when Yoda says the dark side clouds everything, he's literally talking about the, the Sith temple beneath them, corrupting them and not knowing about or not realizing it. 
the whole reason the Jedi built the built the temple over top of the, of the Sith shrine was to overpower its power because again it has this energy level that is very powerful because probably because the Sith only want to de- want to live forever and they they latch themselves themselves on to material things. When I say Sith, I'm gonna go ahead and say dark siders in general. Okay, mm-hmm. so when we have that. You know it's powerful. I still think that whatever's on Dagobah is a Sith is a Sith shrine. I think that's why Yoda makes Luke go in there. I've I, I wrote a, an essay about that or an article about that way back in the day for making Star Wars. You can probably still find it on there, and I still think that. And I and I even said like, in fact, yeah, it's funny I should mention that because I even thought are do our Sith shrines going to play a part in this in Force Awakens. It may not be in the Force Awakens, but maybe a Sith shrine could be in some capacity, not even a shrine, but a shrine could be like just its its essence attached to a physical object, like in the dark uh, Darth Vader and Lando comics. We've got um, we've got the uh, Lord Moman character that when you put on his helmet, he becomes a dark side energy. And and when that dark side energy comes around, he beca- it like it can, he can his essence comes back. And if you read those comic books, you understand what happens there. So with all that already established in this continuity, with with Ray and the heroes going up to Death Star Two, assuming this is what it is, it only makes sense if they know something is going on here and it's it's pulling us back into this planet to where this is right now. And so that's where I'm kind of going with it. I'm like, man. So the reason why I think this is where this is a Death Star 2 is not only do you have all those things combined, but remember this. Kylo Ren has Darth Vader's helmet. Where did he have to go to get it? Ah, very good point. Mm, That's true. Endor. So I think he's definitely been pulled to Endor. And I wouldn't be surprised if that when he was there and maybe just maybe what if like there was rumors of, of or there's, there's pictures of, of concept art of him talking to the helmet like Hamlet, right? Mm-hmm. What if the emperor was talking to Lord Vader through the helmet? What if the emperor mm. had somehow manifest himself onto that helmet when he, when Vader threw him down? Oh man, <laughs> that I mean, would be interesting. So I'm not saying the helmet like put it on; he's going to turn into like the emperor, right? But, right. But if he somehow still had some kind of influence over that, it, just um, like, and that's and that's what I think is that's why I think it's just, this is Endor and it's Death Star Two is because Kyle's already brought the helmet back, establishing that he's already been there, and I think he's already had talks with the emperor, not knowing it was the emperor. That's very possible. And even if Kylo hasn't talked to them, I think I think just for some of the points you brought up, I like now that I think about it, I think it probably is more likely that it's Death Star, too, just because as we're saying, so we see you see Leia, you hear Luke say, uh, we're always with you. And then you see them looking at this wreckage of the Death Star and he says, no one's really gone. And it cuts to just that laugh of Palpatine. And we all freaked out, go, what the heck is going on here? Um, but I know, you know, one theory that I've heard a lot of other people have and that I've thought of myself is, you know, just again, that like that Death Star wreckage has got to be somehow tied to it. Right. Um, right. 
And even if you think of like you were bringing up the stuff with Lord Moment in the comics, but even if you think of like Clone Wars, uh, where and we kind of know just from George and stuff that um, to become a quote unquote force ghost and to like become one with the force and be able to basically live on for immortality um, through the force, you basically have to be a light side user or a Jedi and you can't achieve that through like the selfish uh, means that the Sith try to acquire power through. But we know that like from the Clone Wars, you have Darth Bane, who's not like a full fledged force ghost, but is still able to kind of inhabit his own grave and like sort of manifest himself through the, through the force. And almost like we think of like a traditional ghost, just kind of like haunting his own grave or the site where he died or whatever. Um, and like unable to find rest, um, as opposed to, living on for immortality because you found that ultimate peace and rest and whatever. Um, so it could be something like that. Like it could be his spirit somehow still tied to the death star remains. Um, or, I mean, the other thing that I think is very possible is just that he figured out what Plagueis started and maybe did find a way to cheat death. Um, yep. I don't know. I, I think that very well could tie into it somehow, but I also definitely think like that the Death Star wreckage is going to somehow play a part in it. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, I actually, I almost forgot about this, but I had thought about this on our first episode and I said, I'll wait till we're doing our big breakdown of it. This was actually in the concept, the art book for the force awakens. And one of yeah. the early concepts was going to involve them going into the wreckage of the Death Star. And I think it was the de the second Death Star sp specifically because there was something they were trying to retrieve from the Emperor's throne room. And I think for the Force Awakens, it may have actually been something relating to like the map to find Luke. Um, it's like maybe Luke had download, maybe Luke had originally gotten that information from the Death Star or like the Empire had the same information he had or something like that. Um but just I thought it was interesting that now that JJ is back for episode nine, that he's maybe reusing some of those early concepts from The Force Awakens that didn't end up making it into the movie and thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we still use this somehow and tied it back in? Um, so, yeah, suffice it to say, I think this is one of the biggest things that had people talking, um, well, with the Death Star wreckage, but then obviously Palpatine coming back. But uh, I think this is going to be one of those fun things that we're going to be endlessly speculating over uh, in the months to come before the movie comes out. Yeah, I mean, you guys made some great points and theories that I could really see being the possibility of how Palpatine comes back. But I'm really hoping and I think it's you no, know, it should be a done deal where we see the physical presence of Palpatine because J.J. did say Ian McDermott was on set and he was surprised that that didn't get leaked out at all. Mm -hmm. So we probably will see the physical manifestation of Palpatine. And because I had a crazy theory <laughs> going back to some other um, star new information we've gotten regarding the force and just the star Wars galaxy in general, because I don't think they're going to go this route, but I couldn't help but think of it. And I even watched the episodes again this past weekend when pretty much watching all things Palpatine, but <laughs> I think it would be cool if they incorporated the world between worlds way to get Palpatine back. We know that was a big mm. thing he was looking for over the course, you know, during the events of the Civil War, where, you know, he was obsessed with finding that location because he knew that was the secret to immortality and pretty much control of the universe. And he got so close to it in the world between worlds. Ezra led him there. He wanted to get Ezra to really extract from him how he was able to access 
that part of the force or the galaxy, whatever you want to call it, to have that ultimate power. And to, part of me thinks that what if there was a way he did get access to that? Maybe he's the one who finds Ezra after the events of or at some point after the finale of Rebels and he gets that information from him and he's able to access the world between worlds. And this is where things are going to go a little crazy with speculation, but, you know, kind of indulge me here a bit. Uh, what if he goes there and he extracts himself at a previous point in time where, you know, it is while he was the emperor of the empire and before his death of a new hope, or what if he goes back even earlier to his younger days and pulls himself out of whatever time period that is. And he like hides that version of himself away just as like a contingency type thing or could plan where in case he does die, he still survives. And I can't help but think of this is going to be a rumor that floated around. We kind of talked about this Kyle after our last episode of how the casting of Matt Smith for episode nine. And there was a rumor that came out that, you know, he was going to play a young Palpatine. And I just kind of shrugged it off. It's like, yeah, I don't think so. Palpatine's not being in this trilogy or this movie. But now that we know he's in the movie, what if that rumor has merit now? And we are going to get a younger version of Palpatine in this film. So part of me and my crazy speculation is going, you know, this younger version of Palpatine has been hiding all this time. And now, at this point in the timeline, he would be old enough to be maybe, you know, the age that we saw the Emperor during the original trilogy. And that's how he survives. But I think that's kind of a long shot now. And even then, tying into the origins of Ray, what if he's involved somehow with, you know, involvement with her parents or, you know, getting influencing them to like sell her off? Because part of me thinks Palpatine is going to be involved with her origin now. I just think there's a good chance where he's viewing Ray as his next opportunity to go about his domination of the galaxy or his for his grand plan that he has for whatever reason, just manipulating her, knowing that I guess he needs the light side of the force and the dark side of the force uh, for his plan to succeed. I don't know the particular details for it, but I just have a feeling that he is going to be heavily tied to Ray's origins now. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be crazy, but at the end of the day, I think the points you guys are making out with the Death Star 2 and, you know, the essence of him surviving in that, I think that's probably the more plausible explanation. And somehow he comes back into a physical form. And I would like to see, too, Darth Plagueis get in, be involved with him surviving. Because I think that's a thread that Lucas put in there that I think would be awesome to be explored and expanded upon more. Mm -hmm. And again, as I talked about in our last episode, how I felt good that at the very least JJ did talk to George about, uh, I, I, he didn't say specifically this. He just said, we talked to George before we wrote the script for episode nine, but I can't help but believe that it was in particular for Palpatine and his return and the ideas that George had and what JJ can take from that. I think it would be awesome if Plagueis and, you know, finding the key to, you know, survive and to stop himself from dying could play a factor in here. So there's tons of different ways they can go about it. I'm fascinated about by all of them. Maybe it's none of the things we talked about and JJ came up with something totally different. And like I said in my last episode, I just hope it's not a clone. That one to me yeah, would be me such too. an easy way out, even though it could probably make sense. We know, you know, he had a hand in the creating the clone army and have, would have access to Camino. So it wouldn't be the biggest shocker. To me, it would just seem a little too easy and just something that doesn't get me as excited as some of the possibilities we're talking about here. Because I really do think 
there's some potential for a really cool story explanation as far as how Palpatine, you know, survived the events of Return of the Jedi. Just have it to be some because he's a genius. <laughs> I talked about how just in himself bringing down the Jedi and the Republic and establishing the Empire. We know he's one of the brilliant minds in the galaxy, and I think he would have something else up in his sleeve more so than just creating a clone of himself. Something more, I guess, reassuring that it is his physical being that survived. It's not just a copy, but it is actually him somehow, some way surviving to the events that we're going to see in the Rise of Skywalker. So we'll see, but man, is it fun and exciting <laughs> to speculate on all these possibilities and how Palpatine can be can be back in this movie and how there is some substantial stuff that we can draw on from the past films and stories that we've gotten throughout comics and TV shows and the movies that could tie in and link to Palpatine's survival. There's so much cool stuff. So, yeah, I mean, needless to say, we were, you know, got my socks knocked off when I found out he was in it. And just mm -hmm. it's just been so fun and amazing to speculate and now getting to talk about these different possibilities how Palpatine could survive. So, so much fun. Yeah, definitely. I mean, man, you were making my brain hurt with that uh, world between worlds. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, like, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, there's so many different options on the table at this point because we have no, like, we never expected him to come back in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, but all we know is that the dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities that some consider <laughs> yeah. to be unnatural. So I'm sure he's learned a thing or two along the way. Um, Without question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously that was a, a huge way to end the trailer and just leave all of our jaws hanging wide open as the title comes up at the end, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and that, of course, is the final thing that just had everybody buzzing and discussing and speculating, what does that title mean? Um, yeah, and, and we talked about it a little bit on our last episode, but I'm sure Tim and I have some further theories, and Paul, we haven't heard your take on it yet. Um, so, so I guess we'll ask you first, since you haven't gotten to talk about it yet, what was your, your first reaction that. to uh, The Rise of Skywalker? So yeah, I want to hear reaction first. <laughs> all right. So my reaction was so when when he said when Luke says not everybody you know no one's ever really gone, and it goes black and you hear the Emperor, I dude you could have knocked me over with a feather. I was <laughs> I was like what the and like I kind of felt wobbly, but here's the genius of of waiting to reveal the title, like I it was like I, I not like I almost fainted but like. I like. I think I fell. I almost fell backwards. I was just <laughs> like what? So you hit me with. It's like I was. If we were like boxing, someone basically like you jabbed me with the left when they're right-handed with with a good left that I wasn't expecting. With with the Palpatine laugh, like what? Oh my god! I, I, that hurt. Like I, what is going on? And then the right with was the rise of Skywalker where it's the power punch and it's a knockout. And I was like, whoa. And I was like going to the floor and it was incredible. I was, I mean, I was like in shock. I had goosebumps. I was, I, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't think straight. I literally couldn't think straight because everyone's <laughs> freaking out. And then you see someone at the very bottom of the stage <laughs> And I was in that panel. I was lucky enough to get. Uh, we got hooked up with a, a friend of ours, um, had extra tickets. His uh, wife and his kid couldn't show up, so we went instead. And we were there, and um, we were like, 
wow, what's um, you know, like wow, like what who is that? And I'm like, because I, I was really far back, I couldn't really see. And I went, that's Ian McDermott. Holy hand grenades! Everyone's freaking <laughs> out, and and I and I'm just like Ian McDermott. Holy crap! That was the emperor, and Ian standing right there, and he says, "Roll it again." In the emperor's tone, I'm like, "Oh man, oh man, oh man," and I'm just all I can think. There's still only two things I'm thinking of. I don't care about the rest of the trailer except for I heard an emperor's laugh. This movie is called Rise of Skywalker, and I just could not. My mind was just on. I was on cloud nine that whole time because of that title. That title is a beautiful title. Yes. And it, it really, and a lot of people, and I want to say this, and my, that's my reaction. I was, I was beaming all day long. I even had like that video of Vince McMahon strutting of a gift. <laughs> and I, that literally is what I felt like all day long. Like, yep, this is good. Like JJ's, I hate this. I couldn't believe saying it, that like JJ very well has given me hope in the saga again. And, and I, I know we have to wrap up here quickly, but I'll, I'll really, as quickly as I can, I have to say that a lot of people have like there's only, there's a million theories and that's the exciting thing that JJ's done I think is that he's brought excitement back in the saga where people can actually speculate and get theories again because that's part of the that's like night like half the fun mm-hmm. is not is, is anticipating but also theorizing and people say speculate responsibly blah 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 and I get it but at the same time JJ's given a lot of us hope that want this saga to be wrapped up the right way. And having it called Rise of Skywalker, there's just so many different ways to anticipate it. And and a lot of people say it could be Luke. It could be the family itself rising up against Palpatine and and things like that. And I I think there's some – I think that's – if there's anything that that Star Wars has taught us is there's double meanings in all all of the films, correct? Agreed. When when you get a title, it has, has almost a double meaning. So, yeah, I mean, you could argue, well, like Attack of the Clones is pretty direct and <laughs> Revenge of the Sith is pretty direct. Um, I guess the Empire Strikes Back is pretty direct, but some of them like, you know, the Phantom Menace, it's like, oh, well, who's that supposed to be? And definitely with like, especially with this trilogy, I feel like because the Force Awakens, it's like, well, what does that mean exactly? What's going on with the Force? And then, of course, with The Last Jedi, it was like, is it Luke? Is it Rey? Is it someone else? Um, and then, of course, so- with the Rise of Skywalker, everybody's like. Who's the Skywalker? Is it Luke? Is it Anakin? Is Rey actually a Skywalker? Is it the redemption of Ben Solo? Because he's part of the Skywalker tree. Right. We'll see. And this is where I think I think they tell you the answer in the very beginning of this trailer and with Luke. And that's why I wanted to wait to comment on all those things, because I think it they answer all of that in the very beginning. Because what does it say in the very beginning? Every generation has a legend. Well, Obviously, that legend is Ray, right? Because every generation, generation was essentially with uh, with Darth Vader. As far as that one with the, with the prequels, Luke with the original trilogy, and now Ray with the sequel trilogy. Correct? Will we all agree on that? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Okay. So then Luke also says, "We've given you everything you need. We we know whatever whatever the the right quote is." And he said, "This is your fight now." Again, leading to Ray. Then he says, you know, um, oh, a thousand generations live in you. I'm talking to Ray. And this is your fight, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not about Luke. Let's be real. He's yeah. literally telling the audience and Ray <laughs> at the same time, 
This is not my fight. Mm -hmm. This is your fight. Okay. So therefore it's not Luke. Okay. It's probably not Darth Vader because Darth Vader hasn't been seen once. And his story has been told already in six previous films and everything. And I just, I just don't see again with Luke explaining what's going on. I just don't see, I just don't see it. Like it being about Darth Vader returning and taking on the Emperor one last time. I think Vader did did his thing already, and I think he's been redeemed. And maybe he does. And, and I do have I do. This is where I think the double meaning is going to happen. So bear with me. But I don't think that's the point of the story because Luke is literally telling the audience and and, and Ray all these things like this is your you're the new thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's do why- you think she's a Skywalker? I think she's going to be a Skywalker in name that, and I, and this is where I think, I think it's a title. And what I think is, and again, I'm, I'm sorry, this is going long, Kyle. What I think is Ray is going to be not a new line of force users. I think she's going to be a balancer. Hmm. I think she's going to be a Skywalker, meaning it, maybe it'll be a group of people but a Skywalker's that believe not in the Jedi, not in the true Jedi sense. And I think that there's, she's going to, it's going to be something along the lines of this. It's creating a new name of something, whether it be a master of, of a Jedi. So like, for instance, there'll be Jedi Knights, but there's going to be a Skywalker to oversee them to make sure that there's, that's, they're not going to uh, go hmm. astray that again, what is, what does the prophecy say to bring balance to the force? And they all talk about it's been misread, right? What if this prophecy is really not just one person or one specific person, but a group of people that is passed on that is powerful in the force, but it's, again, it's supposed to be light and darkness. They bring balance to that. And I think that that's where the name Skywalker is going to come into come into it. I don't think Skywalker is going to be the new Jedi order. Like that's that's not going to be, I don't think so because Jedi is too profitable of a name to abandon completely. Cause you're eventually going to want to do these. And maybe it will. And if it is, that's, I'd be honestly fine with that. That is be, the direction I'm leaning towards. Honestly, what that they're think, just going to replace Jedi with Skywalker. Yeah. Because that's something I've been thinking about. I've said a few times here about the last Jedi, as far as really taking what Luke said about it's time for the Jedi to end. And it's possible. Maybe, maybe you know, Ray realizes that too. And this is how she's going to honor the legacy of the Skywalkers is by st- establishing a new order, totally different, but it's going to be called Skywalker or Skywalkers. And that is the rise of like their legacy really, you know, coming full circle and is being forever carried on throughout generations in this new um, line of force users and in regards to the you know the jedi name being very marketable i mean i don't think that'll be an issue because for the foreseeable future what's coming out after episode nine which we we're talking about at the beginning with knights of the old republic they're gonna have tons of films to still use the word jedi because mm-hmm. this is marking the end of this era and who knows if we're going to get films later on that continues after the rise of skywalker so i don't think they really have to worry about the Jedi name not being used after this for a good long while. And see, I there could always, be a way to do that. I always wonder though, about just like the general audience and the people that aren't hardcore exactly. Star Wars fans. If they mm-hmm. say, okay, they're not Jedi anymore. Now they're called Skywalkers. And then the next movie that comes out, they're all Jedi again. 
like we all know oh well it's four thousand years in the past so this is a totally different story yeah, but true. you know for people at large are they gonna be like wait that's confusing and i think that's and i think that's where i think that there's i think it's gonna be some kind of title and i think that makes the most sense because it's the rise of skywalker Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they're going to that's how they're going to wrap this whole thing up in a nice, neat bow is that it's going to be some kind of title or, for instance, like I wouldn't be surprised if like there is a Jedi order after there's again, there's Skywalkers, there's there's there, there's Jedis, there's both. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised about that. I mean, but that's where I think that maybe that uh, there'll be a Skywalker overseeing the Jedi order. That's why I think it's going to be more of a, a role of the force user. And that's why I think of the Skywalker is the balancer, meaning they are the ones who are going to keep the checks and balances of the force in the galaxy and, and may not be, be one person. It may be multiple people. It could be, you know, it could be that mystical wizard like character that is out in the in in the galaxy that kind of does their own thing and seeks things you know seeks things out, but isn't tied to an affiliation. But maybe trains people in the force and says, "Be a Jedi Knight and and be a defender of peace and justice in the galaxy." But I'm gonna go out and do my own thing. Again, not be a great Jedi. It's not great Jedi. I think it's gonna be a balancer because I wouldn't I wouldn't say gray as being a ba- as as I would say that they would know they would, again. Keep the checks and balances of everything. Something along those lines where Ray is going to be like, what he, what what's going to happen? I my prediction is this: once I think the the Skywalker lineage is will be the ones defeating Emperor, not Ray. I think it's going to be a combination of Luke, Anakin, and Kylo Ren, and possibly Leia, all joining together to fight like to, to defeat the Emperor once and for all. It's going to Kylo's going to sacrifice himself to keep that Skywalker redemption line going. It makes sense because it's all that, you know, because it's been, we could all, they could justify Kylo Ren being manipulated by Snoke slash the Emperor. Kylo redeems himself. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Kylo destroys the Emperor with the Skywalker saber and then gets destroyed. Hmm. Like, I can see that. Yeah. yeah, And and I definitely think we're going to see Rey and Kylo team up to fight the emperor all right i don't know about kylo and like luke and anakin and leia and all that i think they'll be more the ones kind of like we said earlier kind of like sending them on their way um but i i think there's a very good possibility we could see a ray and kylo team up again right and so what i what i think that what's going to happen is the very end luke anakin are going to be talking to ray and they're going to say you need to take you know, it was one thing my family has taken is that we believe in love and love overcomes it all. And I, and that has to be again. And, and again, you could be going, I think Tim, might have something onto this because think about this, think of the titles, the force awakens, the last Jedi, the rise of Skywalker. So it, this could be like t- in the titles itself, telling us what the progression is happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is, but at least at at some point, Ray is going to be a Skywalker of some kind, one way or another. I don't think it's to be by blood. I think she either takes the name of it herself and and that's what I think is also a possibility. It could be her taking on the name of Skywalker, but it's not, they don't say it's a title. It's just her, like, I'm going to take your name, Mm -hmm. but I think it is. I think what's going to happen is she's going to be talking to Luke and Ray at the or Luke and Anakin at the very end as force goes they're going to tell her 
the, our family has shown that you can overcome anything by love and you know that no one is really gone as far as again from the dark side and that people can be redeemed that the jedi always thought in like you know obi-wan and yoda always thought you have to destroy these people no you can you can redeem people by love and luke and anakin prove that and they prove it here if kylo ren comes out of his funk and says no i know like my my love for my family my mom my mom and my father love me and he again proves that to ray and ray even tells luke in the last jedi it's a, and a jedi is what showed him so mm-hmm. what so yeah. that's and that's where i think that that she becomes a skywalker like not ray skywalker but the skywalker like we like she teaches all the jedi underneath her and she becomes the leader there's no council it's just the skywalker and I think that's where she's going to, and they're going to tell her, you know, take our family and take the, that's the greatest lesson we could give you. And and she's going to say, and I will always be the Skywalker amongst the Jedi or something like mm-hmm. that. And it becomes, and then it, then like it basically tells you and probably in the ancillary material, like in the, in the source books, or whatever, that Ray has now become the Skywalker of the Jedi. Of something like if that makes any sense, and it becomes yeah, yeah, that. yeah. No, and that's you know either the title of like the Jedi Grand Master, or like you said, it exactly. could just be a Force user that's separate from the Jedi Order that kind of oversees things without being directly involved. Um, almost, you know, you think of like Ahsoka at the end of Rebels, where she's gone like full Gandalf mode. You know, exactly. Um, that's they, mm. and maybe that's where they're going with too, Kyle. Maybe that's what they're saying. Like you're not, you're not. So Ahsoka would be considered a Skywalker. If it was if it was in that era, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's what I was picturing the whole time you were talking about. That. Well said. Well um, said. Well said. But I also think with the the idea that you know, like we talked about earlier, that they're still exploring her lineage and that we're not done with that storyline yet. I still think there's a possibility too that she could be a Skywalker by blood somehow, some Give way. It Give um, it to me. <laughs> what? I said, give it to me. I, yeah. I, I would, I'd be all about that. I mean, when the title first came up, I think my first thought was, oh, I get why they didn't reveal that, you know, until Celebration. Like, obviously just huge shock. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm glad that they waited to reveal that until the first trailer and until Celebration. And it makes total sense. And now I get it. But then my other first thought was, oh, so Ray is a Skywalker. Um, and then I started having all these other thoughts like, well, it could have pertain to Luke or Kylo or somebody else or and then I started hearing all these theories like you were talking about that maybe Ray is going to just take on the name of Skywalker as a title um or maybe it could even be something to where like she just decide like maybe she does you know continues finding out more about her parents but still finds out they were nobodies and says you know what like I want to find my own place of family and belonging and I'm just going to take Skywalker as my name because I don't know what my family name is um but i definitely think i mean again like you said the rise of skywalker it's like it's not just pertaining to a skywalker but ray is the only person i can think of in this movie that's going to be doing any rising um exactly you know and i feel we've talked about this before i definitely think kylo can be redeemed but i think it's going to be more of a tragic redemptive arc just because he's done so much bad already like as much as i would love to see him redeemed as a hero, like to have, you know, someone that's fully on the dark side, just convert to the light side and like become a hero. Um, because we've never really seen that before in star Wars. Um, well, at least not in the movies. I mean, that's 
kind of the whole point of Knights of the Old Republic in a sense. But, um, you know, I, I don't think like it's going to be kind of hard to root for the guy who killed Han Solo as a protagonist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if Kylo does does end up being redeemed, then um, it, we're not going to think of it as like, oh, that's the rise of Skywalker. You know, it'll be like the bittersweet end of Skywalker or something like that. Um, I don't know. Now you're talking about that and Kylo's redemption. What if, you know, going back to your points of bringing balance to the force, Paul, what if Kyle is kind of, I mean, <laughs> not Kyle, Kylo is, you know, redeemed in a way where he's no longer evil, but he doesn't get rid of like his, the dark side of the force and everything he knows about that, where he survives and going to your point about Ray being the Skywalker being the new title of like the highest ranking in a Jedi order or whatnot. I actually haven't thought about that, but I really like that idea what you're saying and all everything that went with it. I think it'd be really cool. But what if it's her and Kylo as someone representing the light and the dark kind of being fully bringing balance, but it might be hard to do if Kyle, Kylo, <laughs> can't even talk anymore. <laughs> Kylo, we could just put me in the story. I'm okay yeah. with that. <laughs> you know, he's still technically maybe a dark side user, but isn't evil. Could he do that? Could there be a way to explain that? I don't know. And then you got Ray full on with the light side, and both of them represent that new title of the Skywalker and represent the balance of the Force and leading that to a new generation. So I don't know if that's a little too you know, complicated to explain, but I don't know. I just couldn't help but think about that as we're thinking about different possibilities of Kylo to be redeemed and things that the way it could end and the meaning of the rise of Skywalker. So I don't know. It's all these different ideas popping into my head as we're discussing about well, this, which makes it so fun. But and I, yeah, and I want to, I want to say for the record too, that th- you got to make it as simple as possible for the audience to understand. That is true. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think, and, and let's be honest here. I, th- they're, how many times has a saga ended that we thought? You know, I mean, it, twice. Yeah, I was gonna say. It, everyone thought maybe that, three times. We don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think there's. Do I really think this is the end of the Skywalker saga? No, I I think well, especially, and they've already confirmed. Well, see, here's the thing. Here's what makes me think that maybe Ray isn't a Skywalker by blood. Is I think there was another interview with Kathleen Kennedy where they asked you know, would you ever come back and tell more stories with these characters? And she basically was like, was still sticking to the story that this is the end of the Skywalker saga, but definitely didn't rule out making movies in the future with like the new characters of this trilogy. So, you know, like finishing out these quote unquote Skywalker saga, but then coming back and still telling more stories later, you know, making more movies 10 years from now about like Ray and Poe and Finn or something like that. Um, which would Im- seem to imply that those characters are not Skywalkers, but I don't know. At the same time, I mean, you think of what they're doing with Avengers when Endgame is done, you know, they're calling that the Infinity Saga. But there's certain characters in that movie that are then going to still continue to carry on. So, I mean, maybe it'll just be like the next chapter of the story that won't be called the Skywalker Saga, but there could still be kind of some carry over there. I don't know. Right, and I, I, but at the same time, like, like I said, I, I think that there's, but they're because they're thinking of the Skywalker family. Yeah, that's and that's what the Skywalker, that's what the Skywalker saga is. Ray wouldn't necessarily be a part of the family by blood that it's following, but she would be a again if it's a new title, 
then it would be some kind of it wouldn't be it'd just be about Star Wars in general. You know, right? You know what I'm saying? So like right, right, right. And, and that's where I think they're gonna have that's where I think they're gonna have the, the leeway. And that's why I think Ray probably isn't a blood skywalker, because I think she's gonna be a skywalker by a title of some kind. And again, I think it's she's gonna it's gonna be a rank, it's gonna be something like that to where they can use her in the future. They have the Skywalker name. Because again, the Skywalker name is still profitable. It's a household name. So it's not like it's like Jedi is. So you I can would have say even more so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is where I would say you could make a whole different line of Jedi, but the problem is that she's the only well, as far as we know, but this is what I'm saying too. What if um the character uh in the helmet that um oh my gosh, what's her name? Felicity? Is that her name? Is that Felicity Joe? That Fel- Wait, am I getting Russell? Her character. Oh, yeah. No, no. Um, Carrie Russell. What if Carrie Russell is a Jedi that's in hiding hmm. and part of that Jedi order? And what if she teams up with Rey to defeat the Knights of Ren and she is a Jedi Knight? And what if at the very end she give Rey gives her all the books and says, create the order? I'll I'll make sure that I'll oversee, you know, I'll be here if things go awry, if you need help. Like if meaning if you need help training them or if there's someone goes dark, I'll be there to keep them in check. Because the one thing that we're not realizing, and I think, and again, I heard people on a podcast, I think it was on Jedi Council today, and I think they brought up a good point is that, or, and this, this is kind of gave me an idea about it. They talked about how Ryan really wanted to set up the fact that everyone is special. And I get that. Like, I get that's what they're trying to tell, but this isn't that story. You know, the mm-hmm. Skywalker saga, they're special because they were, you know, they're the chosen one. Like, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, not everyone is special. Not everyone's going to be like people have this is how it is, right? Like, this is mythology. It's not, it's, this is not like anyone can be the hero. Like, we have, like, whatever. Like, I don't want that. Like, I get it. Like, everyone can be a hero. You're right. Everyone can be a hero, but that's boring. If everyone's special, then no one's special, right? Mm-hmm. So, but what I think JJ is doing is he's bringing it back to mythology. And I think that what, what they're trying to, what, what's going to happen is, because even in like Ryan Johnson's lame attempt to try to like make everyone a hero, Ray is still powerful and he has to make her powerful, right? Well, the reason is, you know, what does is, what is, uh, Snoke say? You know, darkness rises and light to meet it. Well, Obviously, Ray is special because the Force awakens in her, and she's as powerful as she can take on Kylo Ren, who's a fully trained Jedi or as a trained dark user in, in Jedi. My point is, she's a powerful, powerful person, and she's probably one of the more probably the most powerful Force user ever. Even Luke even says it, right? Well, so, he says it didn't. He's know, only felt him. that power <laughs> once before, so she and, and, and Kylo it, are pretty much on. Equal, equal footing at least from right. from Luke's standpoint so and so and so he's only seen this raw power and strength in someone before in that mighty Skywalker blood so <laughs> like so with what I'm trying to say is that she's established we're already established that she's a powerful user and what what I'm saying is she'll tell the Skywalker could be the powerful balancer force user that can overpower other people because no one could, it'll be hard to match up against her pure strength. And she, at that point, she's going to be probably even more trained and, and she'll just going to get more powerful. And maybe she can potentially tell Carrie Russell train the Jedi, the, the galaxy needs a Jedi again. 
Because she even tells, like, I mean, you know, I don't think she's going to be a Jedi because her character looks like a bounty hunter from that poster. But what if she's in hiding, man? You never know. Well, you never know. I was saying when we're talking about that poster, how maybe she could be an ex member of the Knights of Ren, but mm-hmm. that could have been someone who was part of Luke's Jedi order exactly. being trained. So, and what if she, and because of that, maybe Carrie Russell is redeemed and they're saying because she's, she's a Skywalker and she says, I know you have good in you. Just like Luke said. And she could tell her that and say, you know, I will be the one looking over, you know, I'll be watching out your order and if things get out of hand, I'll be there. But I know you'll make the right decisions and you'll bring the order, the Jedi order back. Here's what you need. And, the, and then she'll give her the books and say, you know, the Je- the galaxy need the Jedi. And, and then Shakira also could say, you know, character or someone like that. Or she'll give she'll give some Ray will pass on the Jedi books to somebody else. Right. You see, I would still want that possibly. to be Ray. Yeah, see, I, Ray, though, I think goes... it's still going to end with Ray. Yeah, I mean, not not that the Jedi lineage is gonna end with Rey, but just that like, I don't see her passing stuff on to another Jedi in this movie, especially because that doesn't feel like the direction they've gone with like like you know originally we thought maybe in this trilogy they were gonna set up a whole new Jedi order or whatever, but instead it's really I mean like like Luke says at the beginning of the trailer like a thousand generations live in you now now this is your fight. And maybe sometime in the future we'll see a story where she does pass that down and start a new Jedi Order or something. But I think they're building it up so that this movie is really about her and about the whole resistance and, you know, Ray or uh, Finn and Poe and Lando and all those guys. But as far as the whole Jedi aspect of it, I think it's really coming down to Ray and Kylo in this movie. And plus, right. one of the things I love about the title is, you know, the significance it's showing of the Skywalker name. And yeah. how I would want that significance to carry on throughout the course mm-hmm. of the well galaxy said. moving on mm-hmm. forward from episode nine. And I think if Ray kind of hands it off to someone else and just says, you know, I'll be here when you need me as like the as the Skywalker, I feel it, it would have significance, but not that lasting influence that I want that name to have over the course of the galaxy in the coming years, if that's the case. That's why I'm really liking the idea that, you know, either what you were saying, Paul, how she has that title of Skywalker which is the highest rank within the new Jedi order if, or if, you know, the new order of force users will be called Skywalkers. Cause I just want that name to be, you know, carry that legacy to carry on where everyone throughout the course of the galaxy, hears the name Skywalker. They'll know what it means because it's so prevalent now after the events of episode nine. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it. this title sets that up beautifully. Like it's, mm-hmm. you, we know like the, that, that Skywalker lineage is going to, um, you know, have a big impact on this movie and be a big part of the story. Um, and it's just so much fun to, you know, speculate about and wonder exactly how that's all going to play out. Um, we have got a fun year ahead of us. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the wait to episode nine is going to be uh, a lot of fun. And of course we're going to have, you know, the Mandalorian and lots of other stuff to talk about and enjoy along the way uh, while we're waiting for it. And we will talk about that on the next episode because um, I'm sure Paul's got plenty more, you know, stories and stuff from Celebration to share and lots to talk about from The Mandalorian. I mean, Tim and I spent a good amount of time talking about episode nine on the last episode, but we barely talked about The Mandalorian because we didn't even, I mean, we saw the bootleg version, but they didn't even show us all the footage that they showed you guys there at the panel. So we'll nope. get your full full take on that next time and we'll uh, we'll break all that down and all that good stuff with uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni and what those guys are cooking up. Um, but, uh, man, we're, we're at back to back three hour episodes here, uh, to no <laughs> one's right. great surprise, but I think we're just about ready to wrap this one up. Um, yep. 
and you know you know what's fun about this i feel like this isn't going to be the last time that we're speculating just on the no. title of like what the rise yeah. of skywalker means so i mean we're gonna have yeah. no way <laughs> you know more future episodes where we're just talking about stuff and oh wait i just thought what if the rise of skywalker could pertain to this or that or what if this is how the emperor comes back so um i think this trailer definitely did its job in just getting us hyped and uh giving us you know a first good glimpse at the movie um a little bit of info to whet our appetite but also just opening up some huge questions that i think safe to say have made all of us more excited for this movie than we were before um because we really had nothing to go on up until now and now we've got footage title palpatine reveal all that good stuff um and it's just gonna keep our brains going uh in full star wars mode for the next eight months so um should be a lot of fun uh hope you guys are looking forward to uh enjoying the ride as much as we are um so thanks for listening uh as always you can follow us on twitter at star wars tsc and on facebook at facebook.com slash star wars the saga continues you can send us email at star wars tsc at gmail.com if you want to send us any of your uh questions thoughts etc share any crazy theories or speculation you've got with us or anything like that um, and, uh, as always, you can check out starwarstsc.com, uh, our website for, you know, all the latest news stories and rumors and stuff that we're, uh, posting over there. Um, and as always, be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack podcast network. Um, and we will be back soon with, uh, our Mandalorian discussion, um, and, uh, lots more good Star Wars stuff coming after that with, uh, you know, more saga commentaries and all that good stuff. So, Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels!